Hello and welcome to Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. I am Connor from the House of L. And I am Ray from the House of Zod. And I, a guest, am Robert Reinecke from Swamp Things podcast. And I am John Beerley, also from Swamp Things podcast. So as you can see, we are joined by more esteemed guests. Uh, why don't you tell us a bit about yourselves, your podcast, and uh, what sort of stuff you guys do? Well, our podcast is, I guess, sort of set up like yours. I'm a longtime Swamp Thing reader. Uh, John's never read an issue of Swamp Thing before, and we're basically going through the Alan Moore, Stephen Bissett, John Toddlebin Swamp Thing run issue by issue, and possibly excruciating detail. Yeah, you've got to cross the T's and dot the I's. Yeah. I, I definitely do. We we uh, I mean, basically, we choose every issue as a each issue as a episode of our podcast, and we we go through them in, in great detail. Um, we have readings uh, going through them, and uh, there's a lot to discuss in the issues of Swamp Thing, uh, mm. written by Alan Moore. I mean, I when I started it up, I thought, yeah, this would be a nice, like, 25, 30-minute podcast, and yeah, we end up going an hour. <laughs> you know, one of the it's things very... they think that we've... Oh, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. No, sorry, I, can... uh, I was just about to say, what kind of prompted you to start the podcast? Honestly, I, I wanted to reread the uh, the issues, because I haven't read them in a while, and uh, I was looking for a podcast that would be a nice companion piece to it, and mm-hmm. um, Something like, uh, well, I'll, I'll say one of my inspirations was the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast, where they, okay. they have readings and they discuss it and the, the stories that they're doing in great detail. Um, mm-hmm. They branched out to just the weird fiction in particular since they read out of Love, Lovecraft stories. But mm-hmm. something like that I was looking for, and there wasn't something there. And I've done other podcasts like that. You know, since I oh. want it, I bet other people want it. So why don't I make one? Mm, I bet it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. It has been a lot of fun. You know, Robert, Robert and I have known each other for years. We both started out as writers on the on uh, for Batman on film. Oh, okay. And Robert has 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 caused me to spend a lot of money over the years because he's always (laughs) he's he's always, um, you know, um, you know, said, oh, those you should you should check out this movie. You should check out this. You should check out that. And he's always right. Robert is a (laughs) uh, treasure trove of of great information on you know classic science fiction uh be it films books comics etc and robert's one of those people who you know th- th- there are some people who know it all and act like a know-it-all hmm. robert knows it all but loves to share it and talk about it and and i i've always admired that about robert um oh. Maybe not always when I get my bank statement and I've, I see all of the Blu-rays that I've bought because because, because of Robert. But he's but he's always right. So uh, when when he asked me to do this, uh, it's it's kind of like when Robert Reinecke Robert Reinecke asks you to go on a podcast journey with him and read some incredible comics. Uh, the answer is always is always yes, and I'm really glad that he did. We've had a lot of fun doing it so far. Great. So uh, are you guys planning to stop when you finish Alan Moore's run, or are you going to move on to other Swamp Thing? runs i don't know if we've decided that yet i mean part of me wants to do the len ween bernie wrightson mm. original run um certainly it, it might have to change a bit of a change in format there because i don't know how many 
Swap Thing writers prose stands up to Alan Moore's, and the readings might have to <laughs> go mm. away. <laughs> right, right. Uh, that could get our, that could get us back to our original twenty-five to thirty-minute uh, time, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a very good run that when Wayne and uh, oh, yeah. Bernie are on, you know, even if it's not quite at the level of Alan Moore's, I think I think it'd definitely be worth covering. Maybe you could, you know, do a few issues in one episode or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I de- I'd definitely listen to it. Yeah, I so. mean, I, I I I do really like the run. I I mm. think it is the second best run. Uh, to Alan Moore's and it's it certainly would be something to do. I mean, I think we would take a break and then yeah. pick it up and do that all in like one 13 weeks, I believe it is. Um, and then I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like to do the Rick Beach one, but I think that's all just going to end in tears. <laughs> One <laughs> <laughs> of the other things that we do is we do narrative readings also of a lot of the the prose sections, and we have guest readers. So guys, oh. you know, we're always looking for readers, fellas. So oh, I mean, if you like Australian um, accents, <laughs> yeah, we've had all yeah. kinds of accents. We we can um, sometimes Robert and I make up our own accents, and I don't know how that's <laughs> I don't know how that, how, how that goes, but. I was about to say, Connor's Armenian, but he's just pretending to be wow. Australian. So. Yeah, no, yeah. totally. Um, <laughs> you know, there's... You know, you know uh, Australian John Constantine would be interesting. It would be. <laughs> I mean, why not? They've had an American one, so it's still an Australian one. I mean, like... You... But, but Keanu widely learned from uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula not to attempt an accent. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I liked him in that, even if his accent wasn't spectacular i thought he was good at looking oh. scared and running around uh mm. i agree yeah it's it's not a good adaptation as far nah. as adaptations go but as far as a movie uh, a, a supernatural thriller i liked it quite a bit like when they're like at the end oh dracula is a victim because he just wanted to love i'm like did you forget about the parts like about the baby sacrifice and stuff or <laughs> which happens in the same movie you can't make me feel sympathy for this guy like yeah <laughs> Um, but I, I could talk for like hours about uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula movie. So, uh, yeah, as as One of the Alice... last great analog movies made before they went all digital with special effects, oh, and it's one yeah. of the best looking 4K Blu-rays I have ever seen. Oh, in really? My life. Really? Oh my gosh! Oh, okay. it's, it's, even his it's... even his hairstyle, Dracula's hairstyle, looks good <laughs> in, in 4K. The buns. <laughs> yes, the it buns. does. So much detail. So much detail. That's, I might pick it up then because it's a movie I do rewatch because I really like it up until the end. Uh, but I only have it on DVD because I can't find it on Blu-ray in Australia. So it's a bit like Mad Max here. We have to scrounge for old DVDs and sometimes yeah, kill people. Uh, Connor and I are stuck on, stuck on a mud ball here. Yeah. So. <laughs> a rocket just had to land here. So <laughs> whatever. Um, so we are we are actually here, Connor, with our two gracious guests because uh, there is a bit of method to the madness. <laughs> here we have the Swamp Thing experts because we have a comic to review, do we not? Yes, we do. Uh, so today we are going to be covering DC Comics Presents 85. We're covering DC Comics Presents 85, uh, Superman and Swamp Thing, The Jungle Line. So that's what, gonna be, ugh, that's what we're going to be covering today. We've gotten some feedback, which is awesome. So we'll get to that. But first, uh, as usual, we'll talk about some Superman news. And as usual, there isn't much mm-hmm. because DC hates Superman. Uh, but uh, so mm-hmm. big news, though. 
uh, news that I undoubtedly have feelings about. Uh, Tom Welling is returning as Superman for the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. Now, you would have mixed feelings for this, Connor. Surely you would. <sighs> yes, yes, very mixed feelings, because I, I loved Smallville. Uh, it wasn't a perfect show, but... In fact, it was pretty goofy and stupid a lot of the time. But, you know, the character arc of Clark becoming Superman was treated with such, like... It was treated like a really mythic undertaking. And, you know, once he got there, it was like... This is ten seasons of build-up. Superman's now this absolutely legendary figure. And, you know... But I hate the Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. I'm not... It's not my thing. I think the writing's terrible. Yeah. Uh... And the fact that he's going to be in there, I'm like, are they just going to treat him like Tyler Hoechlin in the last crossover uh, 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 where he just gets, <laughs> like, goofed around? <laughs> goofed around. Uh, just to make Supergirl look good. Yeah. You know, when they're like, oh, you're my favorite Kryptonian and Superman's standing right next to her in the yeah, room. But... Are you, are you guys, <laughs> anyway, what, yeah, what are you, you guys, guys think? fans of the CW or the shows or Tyler Hoechlin? <clears throat> well, I... I... I watched a couple of the uh, the only Supergirl episodes I've seen are the episodes where he plays Superman, and I thought he did a really nice job as cool. as Superman, even though he didn't have uh, he didn't have a lot to do. I do I haven't watched any of the other Arrowverse things, um, little bits and pieces that I've seen here and there just didn't really draw me in. Uh, I will say hmm. that Tom Welling is responsible for one of my absolute favorite moments of Superman on film of all time. It's one of my favorite, my favorite Clark Kent moments of all time in the 200th episode of Smallville when uh, Smallville Clark goes to the future and he gets on an elevator with his future Uh, self. So you've got Tom Welling playing both. So you've got young Clark and then you've got older Clark in his his trench coat and his glasses. And... It's so great because older Clark doesn't flinch at all at his younger self walking onto the elevator. He doesn't think twice about it. Because when you're <laughs> Superman, this is the kind of thing that happens in your life. Oh, huh. my younger self just walked into the elevator. He doesn't freak out. He keeps yeah. it cool. And he also calms down his younger self. He says, time travel. Think it through. He's calming. <laughs> he's smart. He's so cool. And he's just so cool. And he's just and, – and, and, I, and I love that. Because I think a lot of shows would have had them both freaking out and tried to play it silly. But mm-hmm. instead, you have older Clark just, oh, well, my younger self just stepped onto the elevator. This is the kind of thing that happens when you're Superman on a daily basis. So <laughs> let's, let's, let's work through it, and I will help him have the calm and the clarity to work through it himself. Time travel, my man. Think it through. And it's so it's so great the way he says it, how cool and how calm he is. And when he and then he, eventually he just steps off the elevator and leaves his younger self there to figure it out because, well, I trust my younger self because we're me. So we're yeah. going to figure it out. And it's 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 one of the all time greatest Clark Kent moments on film ever. Wow. And I hope that for me, at least. And um, I hope are, are you, that. The, yeah. I hope John, the Arrow writers understand it as well as as well as, as, well as the yeah. Smallville writers got it in that. Yeah, movie. we shall see. That's the big concern. Yeah. And I love Erica Durant's really. Lois Lane. I think she's incredible. She was so so okay. so. Oh, so she's good. great. Yeah. Are you a big um, Superman fan, John? 
Very much so. Uh, oh I, uh, <laughs> I I will I will I will turn 44 in uh, in a few weeks. So I grew I literally grew up with I was the perfect age when Christopher Reeves' Superman film came mm. out to just oh. totally be swept away by that. Oh, yeah. So I got to I got to grow up Christopher Reeves Superman. There are so many photos of me as a kid with a Superman <laughs> wearing Superman underoos and a towel uh-huh. fastened fastened around my neck <laughs> running around. Superman uh-huh. has always been one of my absolute favorite characters, and it frustrates me to no end that the films and sometimes the comics just don't seem to know what to do with them. Mm. So yeah. Uh, so I live for those little moments, like that moment in the in the 200th episode of Smallville, of two Clarks, two Clarks on the elevator, and older Clark just being so cool and about it and so great. Time travel, think it through, and I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. just, I I'm gonna use that. that. I'm gonna use that line now. Seriously, it, it is it, it it is one of the greatest Clark Kent moments ever captured on film, and it's it's two Tom <laughs> Wellings, and he's just. That, that that guy does not get enough credit. He played Clark Kent longer uh, than uh, in in more times, yeah. I think, than anybody. So yeah, yeah, cool. No, great. Um, yeah, Connor, I know that you're a big fan of Tom. So um, obviously, you know this. You know of this episode two hundred. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was yeah. it was definitely a standout episode because it's mm. one of the few times that you. Because uh, the way that show is, like, as, as I said before, Superman's treated as a very sort of mythic figure, so you never really get to see Superman much. But that was one of the rare instances you got to see him when he was actively Superman. Uh, yeah. So it was a pretty big cool. deal. Um, 200th episode, so, you know, of course it's going to be big. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a big concern. Like, are the Arrowverse writers going to treat him with the respect he deserves? Honestly, because they would the, the Arrowverse would not exist without Smallville. Um, yes, Smallville made no. a huge deal about Superman's debut. I don't want to see him turn up in Supergirl, quip, and get kicked around or die. Mm. You know. Um, so, yeah. What do you think, Robert? Yeah, yeah. I I think it's time is going to be uh, something of an, an issue there. So if they can get people in there, you bring them back, and just more than hi, I played Superman before that yeah. I had to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, finding something for all these characters to do because it's awfully crowded already, mm. but that's what kind of makes it kind of awesome, at least the promise of it, that it's yeah. all these characters here, but how do you make it work uh, is going to be the challenge. But, I mean, I, 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 the Arrowverse is far from perfect. I, I've had fun. I, I generally enjoy The Flash when I watch it, although I haven't been watching like every single episode for a few seasons now. But I will mm-hmm. tune in on for the key episodes and enjoy them and uh, go my own way and come back again when I have time. <laughs> we all yeah. know there's, there's a surfite of uh, good television on, and it's hard to fit everything in, especially no. 23 episodes. <laughs> for sure. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> Nice. Certainly, I do not watch all of the shows except for maybe the big crossovers. Um, yeah, but I, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I, I kind of like uh, maybe Legends of Tomorrow give them a good template on how to actually try to have fun and balance all these things. Mm. But who knows? It, it could be a, a tremendous mess, or it could be a tremendous amount of fun. This, this Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. <laughs> I just hope they put him in the suit. Because yes. I, understand, oh, I, under, I understand why they didn't during the course of the show. I do understand it. But 
all of the reasons that they had not to put him in the suit on Smallville are now gone. Is so, Tom going to, though? Let's exactly because he's weird about uh, it. True, but it's I I think he's I think he's enough years removed from it that I think he would I think I think mm. he would consider I think Hopefully. he would do it. Yeah, because it's not, it's, because put... this really isn't his show. In other words, he no. could say, okay, well I'm not going to do it on my show. This isn't his show. He's being invited into someone else's playground. Yeah, and I think the man's enough of a, of a professional that he would he would play by the mm. rules of whatever. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I mean, if it was up to me, which is why I'll never get a job at Warner Brothers, uh, you know, you have you have Brandon Routh, Kingdom Come Superman, you have Tom Welling, Superman, you have Tyler Hoechlin, Superman, I'd just slap Henry Cavill, Superman in there, get rid of all the other characters, and just have, like, a Superman crossover movie, um, and it would be awesome. A little a little top-heavy on the Superman there, Connor. No. But, uh <laughs> I was just as excited just, about Erica Durant's coming back as well. Hmm. Um, That'll be she's, interesting. She's such a great Lois. The, the 200th episode of Smallville also has one of my favorite Clark and Lois scenes ever, where they're in the barn at the end, and um, she's just going, yelling on and goes going on and on, and, and he just says, "Lois, shut up." <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 basically just shut up and let's dance. And, and she put she puts her feet on top of his, and they're dancing in the barn. And he neither of them notice, but he he levitates up off of the ground a little bit. And uh-huh. it's just such a sweet romantic mm. moment. Clark and Lois are my fa- are, are my all time favorite fictional romance. And okay. I love how Erica Durant's kind of played it in a way that she was just so he's the one with the powers, but she was always so protective of him and always looking out for him. And I just I love I love that dynamic. So I, I really hope to see them. And their chemistry was fire. I thought, oh, really? That that's show. what Connor says. Yeah, yeah. I haven't was, seen any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like yeah. those two together were a strong part of the later seasons because Lana, like, I, as I said before, I thought Lana was terrible and um, overused. So it was really a breath of fresh air when, you know, Lois and Clark actually got together. Oddly used and, is well said. Oddly used is very well said because I think Kristen was an, was a fantastic. She was a really good actress. Oh yeah, she's just, she's fine. There was so much repetitive of just oh, okay. m- miserable, and their, their relationship was miserable and repetitive. Yeah. And Lois's arrival really injected a lot of I think uh, just really something dynamic and fun and new into it, and I think it really revitalized the show for me in those last couple of seasons. Yeah, definitely. Right. Which is why, like, just like Lex is the best character in the show, but despite his absence, the last few seasons are my favorite seasons. Yeah, of Smallville. Um, plus, he was like being a reporter in Metropolis and stuff, so you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I guess I guess we'll just have to see. So mm-hmm. you know, um, we will be covering Cross on Infinite Earths and Kingdom Come on this podcast. They will be some Ooh, yeah. long episodes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're we're not doing an Christ issue. Crisis is gonna be a tough one to talk about. Oh, yeah, it's. I think we're we're thinking of doing it in like two parts. Yeah. You know, we're just gonna get the plot right. from Wikipedia. We're not gonna do issue by issue breakdown because yeah. it'll just take mm-hmm. too long. Um, yeah, I'm just following Connor on this one. I don't know what to expect, but uh, you know, it sounds like a pretty relevant event. Yeah, Maybe. like you, sh- it's gonna be confusing, but you should still read it. Um, okay. It's good. <laughs> But it's like, yeah, 
you know, kind of all over the place. <laughs> there, it, it there's is. really no central protagonist in it. No. And I guess yeah, the central protagonists are like the new characters they introduce. Okay. But even like and, not all of them are really established early on, so yeah. Yeah, and the the new characters I I think are kind of misses from. Oh, uh, really? Marv Wolfman. Mm. <laughs> I mean, Harbinger, Lady Quark, and Pariah. Are <laughs> oh, household names, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I really liked. <laughs> I really liked Luther as a protagonist. Yeah. Um. I mean. I mean, Superman takes more of a uh, center stage as we get to the end. Yeah. There. Yeah. I mean, the and the Flash just kind of has his own uh, uh, couple issues there where he he mm. seems to be the, the center stage, but it's it, it's it's honestly kind of all over the place there. I mean, the Monitor is the one that kind of has uh, has shown staying power after uh, Crisis. Definitely. Um, when I think, yeah, and, and the anti-monitor too, but I feel like the anti-monitor yeah. just stayed gone after Crisis, but, uh, you know. Uh, but yeah, you're right, it, it gets more focused towards the end, I think. Uh, characters like, you know, Supergirl, the Supermans, the Flash, you know, there's more focus on a bit, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's still like every character ever doing something <laughs> in these <laughs> books, so. Yeah, and very little Batman. Which will be surprising for modern oh, readers. Connor, you'll be disappointed at that. I like as I said, you know, I was reading I was refreshed because there was no reason that Batman should have been front and centre in this huge conflict. Like as opposed to now where he just he has to be in the centre of everything because he's popular, so uh oh, for those for for our guests new other podcasts, I do like Batman. I'm just resentful of some post nineteen eighty six Batmanisms. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> really, uh... Happy Batman uh, Day, guys. <laughs> yeah, happy. Yeah, wow, yeah, perfect timing. Perfect timing to air your grievances, Connor. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> How do we get onto this? Like every second episode, we somehow get onto Batman, and I'm really like passive aggressive about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love him, guys. Just not past 1986, okay? This is, you know, give me that. Where, where are my uh, Bronze Age Batman omnibuses? Has Has the Swamp Thing ever? cross paths with batman uh yeah yeah okay. a couple times okay yeah, there's um, actually a one recent issue of tom king's batman run that was a really oh weird interesting swamp thing well and that was actually i was gonna lead lead also sorry um robert into another question are there any current swamp thing um runs or or, or titles out at the moment i believe they don't they have the walmart series going on um oh, really yeah, which is like a Walmart exclusive in yeah. America, so I they haven't been reprinted yet, and I haven't uh, been motivated to go out to Walmart to pick just go pick up a comic book. So yeah, <laughs> why not? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of admire that they're kind of trying to admire the to revive the old newsstand uh, yeah. type distribution because I think it's healthy for comics just to have it out there for people to yeah. encounter so you don't have to go. I think so. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's a great, it's a great idea. Yeah. Whether it works or not, we don't know, but like it, it, it's a really good way to promote comics. Yeah. I, and I, I think if you don't have uh, a way to introduce new readers, you just kind of end up with your head in your ass 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, listeners, there'll uh, be a visual, visual of that expression uh, available. <laughs> yeah. Involving Lex Luthor, I'm sure. I, I think that's a big problem for comics is they've gotten so insular yeah. that they don't yeah. know how to reach new readers anymore. Um, and I mean, I think Alan Moore is partly to blame, although not intentionally, uh, because he with Watchmen and the the emphasis on the collected trade paperback yeah. uh, that came out of that. And it's not his fault that he did a very good job, but <laughs> with it. Well, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, did you go, I don't know if, have you guys read Grant Morrison's action comics run? I read part of it. I, I didn't think it was as good as uh, All-Star Superman, but certainly think it, it had had some good ideas and i i, I would have liked to see more of it but it, it seemed like they had to kind of tie it in with the rest of the uh new 52 and i i think it kind of struggled there um <laughs> I, I also didn't make it all the way through yeah well i, I highly recommend you make it all the way through because it doesn't actually come together into like the last two issues because it's all it's all like this big kind of tapestry they're jumping through time and then it it all makes sense in those last two issues um so it's kind of meant to be read as this whole uh, run, which brings me to what I was going to mention is that they've released the first 10 issues in a trade paperback and they've released it in this DC Essentials collection. They're like, oh, this is a really good jumping on point for the DC universe. And I'm just like, no, this is like half of Grant Morrison's action comics run. If you read the first 10 issues in just that, you're going to be so confused. <laughs> and you're not going to know what's going on. This is, like, the worst thing ever. And, like, this is DC shooting themselves in the foot. Like, why would you release a half-complete run? You know? No, um, they would never do that. They'd never shoot themselves in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> never. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah, I mean, it's, you know... You're just selling the people have already bought it at that point. Yeah. But, like, you just, just cut the Mona Lisa in half and send it send, like, the top half to someone. Um, yes, I did just compare Grant Morrison's action comics run to the Mona Lisa, and I don't I regret it. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyway, moving on from DC's general incompetence and idiocy. Uh, a, a new segment. Yes, so <laughs> let's let's talk about... That's how you really feel. <laughs> let's, let's talk about our green mossy friend. Um yes. Swamp thing. So I have a couple of questions. I guess probably more for Robert. Um, I read. So I've read the first volume of Swamp Thing. So the Lin Wayne and then Jerry Conway stuff, and a few appearances after that. But I'm like 20 issues before the start of Alan Moore's run. So I know the change they do to his origin, where it turns out like. Right. It's not actually Alec Holland. He just thinks he is. Um, how much, how much has Swamp Thing like changed as a character, personality-wise, in Alan Moore's run compared to you know, like the Len Wayne sort of stuff? Well, he's still, I mean, basically the same character. Okay. But he's probably, he's probably not pining to be turned back to human anymore. Yeah, he was pretty upset <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Are you transforming, Robert? Are you, trans- are you transforming? Something like that. <laughs> Just stay away from any explosions. Um. Wrong pipe for the water, I think. Um, oh, right. 
Yeah, he's he's still basically the same character. Jeez. Give me a second. You okay? Yeah, no worries. Yeah, take Sorry. his hand. <clears throat> I don't need someone Sorry, dying I'm on the your, podcast. This podcast for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> the last sons of Krypton have killed again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you move on. Talk to and drink it. at the same time doesn't work. No. <laughs> no, I've been pretty tempted to snap Razor's neck, I've got to say. Um, <laughs> so, John, what you, you tell uh, uh, them how uh, Swamp Thing uh, uh, has progressed as a character during Alan Moore's run, and I try to clear my throat here. <laughs> I I think his journey has been really really interesting. One of the biggest one of the biggest moments was you know as as you said he he learns that he's not. Alec Holland having physically transformed into something else. It is sort of this this new creature that has formed around kind of an yeah. echo of Alec Holland's consciousness. Hmm. So it's it's not technically Alec Holland. On the other hand, I I say well it is Alec Holland because if it's his consciousness driving things, if it's his memories driving things, then he's still alive. But for him though, it was sort of this existential thing of i'm not even what i thought i was that's pretty cool so he spent yeah. he spent a long time kind of trying to yeah. to reconcile on top of the shock of becoming swamp thing in the first place now trying to reconcile that okay i'm even i'm even farther away from what i from who i was than i thought i was if i'm even that anymore at all so yeah. I think there were there, there, there were there were lots of issues, and I think Alan Moore again with his his beautiful works really did a nice job of 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 showing him coming to grips with that over and over and over again. So that now, in the issues that we're reading right now, it's a storyline called American Gothic, where John Constantine has come to Swamp Thing and basically said, "Look, you're even you're you're even more than you think you are. You are this you are this uh, this Earth elemental who is." Uh, the latest in a long line of Earth elementals who protect the green from uh, from threats from from home, from Earth, and now from beyond. That there's this this great cosmic evil that's coming, cool. and everything that you thought that you had reconciled about who and what you are, I'm going to throw it out the window again and tell you that you have a bigger purpose. And he's been sending, and Constantine has been sending Swamp Thing all over the United States to deal with various supernatural things that are happening because they're being stirred up by the impending arrival of this ancient evil that's kind of like stirring up all of the the supernatural and uh sort of societal ills that um that are that are across the United States and it's so strange because these comics were written in 1985 mm. 1986 and they have dealt with uh uh racism they've dealt with gun violence they have dealt with women's women's uh issues and it's it's crazy to me that we're reading these comics that were written in 1985 and 1986 and they could still be applied without any change almost whatsoever other than other than the date that they were published all of it still applies today which is sad and scary uh but also shows i think how ahead of their time alan moore's comics were and and just seeing you know Swamp Thing again with that struggle of I feel like he has more to discover about himself than than ever before, and watching him work through those things has been one of the most fascinating parts of the run to me. I mean, 
Going that, back even that further. Discovery. Sorry, go on. Oh, I was just said that yeah, just that that discovery is has been the just the most fascinating thing for me. Mm. Yeah. Now, I was just gonna say, going back even further, uh, I read Superman comics from the '30s, and those issues <laughs> are still prevalent today. So <laughs> yeah, I know, I know it's crazy. It's, it's like crazy. oh man, it's pretty you know a downer, but um yeah, no, that's really interesting, especially that part. So was Alec Collins' consciousness transferred to the swamp, or did it sort of absorb? Like, you know, is it actually sort of the same? Well, um, it's very explicit that he does not have Alec Collins' soul. Okay. Alec, okay. Alec Collins' soul has gone on to heaven, but he does have his memories and consciousness and in, in in that respect. So he has his memories, and it's kind of formed, and the swamp has basically formed into Alec Collins the best it could. Which is not right. really accurate, but quite close. So I mean, maybe that's the best way to think of it. Mm. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a plant, the best the plant life could do to uh, assume the form of Alicala. It makes it even right, more so. tragic, really. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I like that tone. It's good. Yeah. I mean, and it sounds yeah. complicated, but but as as you read through the issues, just the way it all unfolds in both the art and the prose, it's yeah. it's it's beautiful and it is heart wrenching. Hmm. Sorry, John. What what were the issues for this American Gothic? Oh gosh, off the top of my head. See, we I, I I've been reading these in uh, in 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 the trade collections. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, but um, hold on, just a second. We we just finished the next one. Issue forty six is going is is will be the next issue that we read in the next podcast we do. So hmm. that will be the. Um, I'm going to give you some issue numbers right here. It ends at number 50. I, I think it's got you there. It starts at like 38, I think. Oh, Which one well, then just a at? second. I'm going, I'm going back through my... Uh... Yes, so, yes, so Constantine shows up in issue 37. And okay, starts, uh, starts, and, and it, which actually, I did not know this when we, when we reviewed the episode for our podcast, that issue 37 of Swamp Thing is the very first appearance in a comic ever of John Constantine. Yeah. Oh. Which is really cool. I had no idea that he was introduced by Alan Moore in, in Swamp Thing. So that's really cool. And then, uh, the meat of these, you know, these missions that, that Constantine is, uh, sending Swamp Thing on really begin in issue 38. There's there are two epi- two issues where there's this this colony of vampires who live underwater in this little town that was that was flooded. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's an epi- an issue where this woman becomes a werewolf and she's kind of uh, it really gets into a lot of uh, you know millennia of female oppression and female shaming. For it's 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 incredible just the things that he tackles. Two issues where uh, there's a a television show uh, or a television movie being filmed near Swamp Thing's home in Louisiana in the swamp, and it's being filmed at this old plantation. And the movie being filmed there about slavery brings up the ghosts who were affected by slavery at the time, the good and the bad. And there's just all of this crazy stuff that happens. Uh, and then the one that we just did, the one we just reviewed, um, uh, the Winchester House uh, was the um, uh, is what inspired this one, where it's this 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 they make of this fictional gun from from the days of the Wild West. And the family built this huge house that's haunted 
by all of the souls who were killed by this gun over the years. So you have Native Americans, you have, um, you know, just, just cowboys who shot each other in, in shootouts and just create all, all of this craziness. But it all like everything that we're reading, it just just comes back and back and back to the, these are things that are headlines today. And yeah. it's, it's just insane. It's, it's just insane to me. Wasn't so, that? Uh, sorry. Um, wasn't that Winchester House a real thing? Like, obviously not the haunting part. Yes. But yeah. Yes. Yes, they made, they made a yes, movie it about it recently. I heard it was pretty bad. They did with, with, uh, with, 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 with <laughs> Helen Mirren. Yeah, Helen Mirren oh. is the uh, how did she end up the lead in that? Oh, I don't know. She but, uh, <laughs> she's very good. Yeah. yeah, I was. I was when I read this. Uh, DC Comics presents twenty-eight. Uh, uh, not twenty-eight. Eighty-five. Uh, as I've just read most, you know, the first one. He did seem to act very much like the same person. Except his powers have obviously developed quite a bit under Alan Moore. Um, yeah, Connor and I discussed this a bit before because yeah, his power sets are slightly different, but it all makes sense with what you're saying, John. So, and I've read from what I've read of modern Swamp Thing because I've read a few things like he, he's like this sort of protector of the Earth, right? Like he kind of represents yes. Mother Nature. Um, yes, yeah. he's pretty much the Avatar of the the Earth. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't remember if you guys pointed it out, but I love that this story has like, you know, the, the two greatest champions of Earth are not human. Yes, yeah, um, uh, I love that. I love it. I love it. I love who, that. Who's the other of, one? I love it. Who's the other one? We well, got Superman. He's an alien. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Right. Jeez, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Robert. But yeah, Robert and I had had made the point when we when we um um when we when we when we talked about this issue that yes. you know two of the most Two of the most human characters in in DC Comics at the time uh, were one's not from this planet, and one is uh, an echo of a human consciousness inside of a plant thing. Yeah. So mm. it's great. How about the Spectre? How about the Spectre? Isn't he pretty big? Isn't he like a like a big? I wouldn't really call him like a guardian of the Earth, though. No. Oh, okay. He's, he's like, beyond that, is he? He's like more, more cosmic. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. and he's also, right. like, very vengeance-oriented, <laughs> unless oh, kind of know. protecting, um, you know, melting people, <laughs> chopping them in half with scissors, uh, you know, all those things. <laughs> right. All those right. other oh, yeah. things. Part of the course, you know, for, you know, just guarding your... Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I guess, uh, so, we may... We've already started about the issue, but may as well get into the issue. So we're going to do... Uh, we're going to go up, up, and away. It's a thing we do where we fly off. Um, yes, John and Robert, you you may you may need to to wade through the bog, and we'll meet you at the the uh, the predetermined destination. While Connor I will fly too. I mean, I can I can carry like one of you guys. <laughs> but uh, you know, I feel like to get in the mood, you should probably just wade through the muck. <laughs> it, it's hot enough over here actually that i could be in louisiana so uh, but yeah so and i actually because we forgot to go over this uh before the show peek behind the curtain guys um i put a link to the synopsis in the chat so uh ray do you want to split that in half with me or if you guys want to sure. take some as well uh let's yeah, see let me um let me open it up See what, what see what I'm signing up for. 
I don't know. Are you guys are you guys up for it as well? I mean, it'll be a, it'll be an honour to have you guys um, do at least part of it. Um, but I'm happy to. We can, maybe we do one. We can do bits each. I'd be glad to do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, since there's four of us, we can take two paragraphs each. Two paragraphs each. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We'll have a mix yeah. mash of accents with the synopsis. <laughs> so, I'll take the first two paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Ray can take the next two. John can take the third two, and then Robert can take the last two. How does that sound? Sounds good. Good. Sounds oh, oh, good. All right, we're in for a wild ride, listeners. Uh, Here you go. <laughs> Buckle up. All right, up, 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 and away. Clark Kent and Lana Lang attend a seminar by Dr. Everett, who has discovered a meteorite bearing a patch of living fungus which managed to survive for years in a frigid vacuum without being destroyed. Clark wonders if perhaps the fungus originates from Krypton. Thinking back, he recalls an early entry in Rem Ul's Almanac of old Krypton which is dedicated to a fungus known as Blood Morel, native to the Scarlet Jungle. The blood morel grows and thrives within the Kryptonian bloodstream, causing fever, bouts of incapacitation, hallucinations, chronic overexertion, and eventually, in 90, 92% of cases, death. Soon after the seminar, Clark notices that his powers are acting up. That night, he has hallucinations. Realising that he has few options left, he returns to the Institute for Extraterrestrial Studies as Superman, and borrows the meteorite from Dr. Everett. He uses his X-ray vision to try to find an antidote, but that power fails him after a short time. Knowing that he has been infected, Kal-El understands that he will soon die. He chooses to go south, to a place without indigenous superhumans. He takes the meteor with him, just in case. He rents a car and drives to Louisiana but he falls asleep at the wheel and the car crashes in flames. Delirious, he grabs a meteorite and wanders through the flames and swamp, hallucinating that he's in the Scarlet Jungle. Swamp Thing comes across Clark's collapsed form. He notices the meteorite and the fungus on it and uses his connection to the green to try to establish contact with it. He quickly realizes that the fungus has an alien origin. He feels that the man before him has a familiar face and after some investigation, he realizes he, he has stumbled across Superman. Superman wakes in a frenzy and instinctively burns a hole through Swamp Thing's chest with his heat vision. Swamp Thing comes to understand that the most powerful creature on the planet has gone mad. Superman's insanity causes destruction to the Swamplands, and it becomes clear that all of the exertion will eventually kill him. Desperately, Swamp Thing tries to make contact by linking himself to Superman via the fungus and the green. He appears within Swamp Superman's hallucination, and at first the Man of Steel is distrustful. Swamp Thing explains that Superman's fighting and overexertion are pushing his body beyond its limits. Finally, Superman realizes that he is succumbing to his illness. In order to help calm him, Swamp Thing submerges Superman within the calm of the green, and he falls asleep. Superman's fever breaks, and Swamp Thing leaves him. When Superman wakes, he shaves and takes the meteorite back to Metropolis, knowing that the fungus can no longer harm him. Superman is proud that he overcame it on his own, blissfully unaware of Swamp Thing's participation in his recovery. Okay, 
So, that's that. Uh, so as, as usual, but especially for this issue, I always forget to say it beforehand, but I highly recommend you read this first. Cause while we do, while we are amazing at reading out synopses, uh, this mm-hmm. is an issue you should definitely experience for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's very good. It's very well written, well drawn, uh, good everything. And, uh, I guess, you know, you'll hear why as we cover this for the next however or so. Um, so why don't we start with the cover? Uh, very striking cover. Yeah. yeah. It has a different, um, it, it's kind of softened the, the, um, the artwork. I don't know whether, what technique they used for the coloring, but the, the line works, the inks as well, give it a, uh, I don't want to say airbrushed, but, um, like a different, a different softer effect. Did you, did you get that? Definitely. Definitely. Mm. There is, there's kind of a softening effect in the waves. Uh, of energy that are radiating at, radiating outward from from Superman, I feel like the the colors behind him mm-hmm. are are kind of a little bit there's there's I wouldn't call it a blur, but it it is it's just kind of a strange shading. It looks very modern to me. Mm. Yes, the coloring technique for nineteen for nineteen eighty five. It looks very very modern. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, you know it's 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 that, I think that was the thing that struck me about it the most. Um, you know these guys. Explosive shades of yellow and orange. It's like it's almost if Superman is turning the sun against Swamp Thing, and Swamp Thing is kind of coming apart at the edges with these little bits of green that are just mm. flaking mm. and flying off of him. Yeah, yeah. It almost looks almost like a, somewhat of a video effect too, with the with the kind of colors blown out by the energy mm. radiating from Superman there too, yeah. and the white outline around Swamp Thing there is. Yeah. It, it is really well done. I mean, this is. Certainly, a, a a more impressive cover than the lot that you see from this era. I think it stands up very well. It's one of the better Swamp Thing covers too, of mm. the period. Mm. Yeah, it's very um, it's very. I think it works really well as a cover because um, it basically is just the two figures. Like, there's not, it's not over, uh, overdrawn or over, you're not overwhelmed by a lot of information on the page. So on the cover. So and and I really do love the texture of the swamp thing, as you mentioned, Robert, with the the lighting of the white um, bouncing off him, but also just innately, um, the swamp thing is such a kind of like a detailed, um, uh, you know, with a lot of shadow and shading and stuff. And yeah, it works really good about having him in the foreground. Yeah. One of the things that drives me crazy about superhero films sometimes is that everybody looks like they had their costume made by the same person. Yeah. Whereas, where, where, whereas here you have two characters who are just again, and 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 you said it great, greatly about how just textured and detailed Swamp Thing looks compared to just the simple yes. blues and yellows and and reds of mm. of Superman. And um, uh, I do want to throw in a quick thing that I that I had thrown in when I had uh, when Robert and I talked about this issue. I have two digital copies of this. I've purchased this twice digitally. Uh, once as a single issue, and then once as part of the uh, DC Universe by Alan Moore collection on Comicsology. Mm-hmm. And I would recommend that one because the coloring is much better in the DC Universe by yeah. Alan Moore collection. Right, yes. And you also get for the man who has everything. You also get whatever happens in the Man of Tomorrow. So I would, if anybody's looking to buy this one digitally, I would recommend spending a few extra bucks and getting into the DC Universe by Alan Moore collection rather than the single issue because I feel like the coloring of everything 
starting with the cover is is, is a lot better. It's also a very nice hardcover. Um, yeah, it has some great uh, Green Lantern stories in there as well. So much good stuff. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, look, I'd second that as well, John, because I think I've got the 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 single issue digital, and yeah, one of the um, shortcomings of this for me was the coloring, which. Right. Uh, yeah, Connor assures me that the other one and and what you've just said, um, the the coloring's a lot better in that other version. Better. So it's it's yeah. it's, a, it's a massive difference. It's yeah. night and day. Okay. Yeah, I, I would also say I like the logos on the cover, and and the coloring, the logos matches the coloring of the characters. Mm. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> and you can also tell that something is wrong with Superman. Oh totally. Yeah. He looks very scary. It's a very imposing, uh, almost godlike figure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially the way they white out the eyes there. Yes. That, yeah. And it's not, not just like the thing. usual red eyes mm, either. Yeah. Like this is like it feels like solar power or something coming from him. Um, I don't know. I, I much prefer okay. like he's just radiating intense energy that's just damaging everything around him. Like like they yeah. mentioned in the comic, in a line later, he's like a supernova sort of going off. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that, that the cover definitely communicates that because it's kind of going out in all directions. Yeah. So that real focus. Yeah. So uh, yeah, actually, DC Comics presents. Uh, we've covered this series a few times on the podcast, mostly uh, Mongol appearances because mm. we Mongol. love Mongol. Um, love it. He's always up to dastardly cosmic shenanigans. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's, a, he's a wacky character, isn't he? He's that a... would be a great name for a podcast: dastardly <laughs> cosmic shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> You know, with his head appearing in Clark Kent's apartment, <laughs> all that good stuff. Uh, uh, also, um, we're, we're actually covering for Van Oise everything quite soon uh, in the next few episodes. That's a great that'll story. Be fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's my second favorite Superman story of all time, so uh, really looking forward to that. But yeah, I, I read the previous Superman and Swamp Thing quote-unquote team-up in DC Comics Presents. Have you guys read that? Oh. I've seen that I, I don't remember much about it I, I think I read it a long time ago but it's it, it slipped my memory I know it was a he and Solomon Grundy kind of or, yeah it was really like, bizarre like, <laughs> yeah, I've not read that Basically, like I guess um, yeah there's like 60 Solomon Grundy's under Metropolis and the sewers and I mean that premise alone is just it's just really wacky and I don't think it's following up from every, anything. All of a sudden, there's just like 60 Solomon Grundys in Metropolis sewers, and Superman's like, I want to get rid of these guys. And Swamp Thing's like, no, I want to experiment on one so I can, you know, go back to being human and uh, shenanigans ensue, I guess. Uh, and Superman is a super jerk in that story. Because <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, I just want to hang out with Lois Lane and go on a date, but I have to deal with Solomon Grundy tearing up the city. I'm just like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so fun, fun times if you ever want to go read it um dc comics presents eight i believe but this story is much better uh not that that story was bad but you know um so this opening page uh it's very i mean it's very striking it's very different uh it's not a typical superman opening uh no <laughs> I immediately was wondering what the hell was happening because this is yeah is is not Superman at all like yeah expect this is this is one of his bad days <laughs> <laughs> um, you know like yeah, uh, he's not looking real good here 
And this <laughs> narration, <laughs> this narration is so fantastic. Oh, it's beautiful. Like, you know, yep. yeah, it is well written. The yeah, eyes that yeah. once watched quarks at play are sunken and shot with red. Um, like, wow. You, you know, can just it, you can right. feel it, you know? You can feel it. You can feel it. It's just like he's so, and again, as you said, he's so disheveled. And then the little details that they, they don't make a big deal about it, but Superman bruises his knees on mm. the dashboard. Superman yeah. bruises his knee. Yep. So there's obviously more wrong with him than just looking like he hasn't had a bath in, in a yeah. month. There's yeah. there's something there's something deeper here, and when you get to that bottom of that page, the man of tomorrow is heading south to die. Yeah, that's as 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 Robert said when, before I read this issue. Robert told me he said the first page has one of the greatest hooks in comic mm. book history. <laughs> yeah. and and man, was he right? It's a hell of an opening, and those like hallucinations he's having of the Scarlet Jungle as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, it's everything about this opening page is great. I mean, everything about this issue is great, generally, but... Uh, driving on the wrong side of the road, driving yeah. in the middle of... Oh, oh, on the right side, what are you talking about? That's a, that's a correct... A good point. <laughs> good point, actually, because... Yeah, well, yeah, as, Robert, as Robert just said, the fact that Superman is driving at all. And I, Oh, yes. Yeah. I didn't actually pick up that that was the wrong side of the road because that is actually the side of the road we drive on here. So <laughs> that's a pretty yeah. nice touch, actually. Um, and then, you know, in the next page, with this amazing, like, full page, and he's driving in the mm. middle of the road. Um, Which, to be fair, I've seen many CD drivers do. So. <laughs> <laughs> not, not out of the ordinary. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I love what well, that, I'm guessing that's like an extinct Kryptonian animal. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, that big sort of skeleton that takes up the big horizon. Tusks. Tusks yeah. jutting out from its jaws. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, this is a good horror story, to be honest. Mm. Um, you know, it's Halloween coming up soon as well. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, no, awesome. Um, I'm, I'm super, as, as, uh, my listeners, I'm super into horror, so. I love all mm-hmm. this like creepy fungal imagery, um, but you know we we have like Clark hallucinating and stuff. And uh, actually, this is another one. Really, like once he bathed in the heart of the sun, careless of the mile high geysers of flame that spattered him in frustrated outrage. <laughs> yeah, <You know? laughs> that is very cool. <laughs> like, and I love the efficiency of how they kind of establish, you know, boom, 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 in three panels. He's in the car by himself. Second, yeah, that's nice. Second one, it's like okay, he he still has this crazy look on his face, but now there are people in there with him, and then now he's in the in the bottom that third panel. Oh, he's just regular Kent Clark, and all the people who were in the car with him as hallucinations are now. I mean, what a way to transfer to or to to, to transition into yeah. a flashback from in just three panels, boom, boom, boom. It's really so good, effective. isn't it? Yeah, uh, you say it. Yeah. You say it a lot. Um, cinematically as well, they do stuff. You know, people have dreams and stuff. They they drop elements in, and you slowly, yeah, you know, either go into unreality or you go back to reality. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and something you couldn't do, easily do in uh, cinema at the time, but you can very easily do in comics. Yeah, um, I mean now you can do it with green screen and CGI, but you really can't yeah. do that in uh, yeah. cinema back in 1986, yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly, yeah. I, I guess as I said, like, Alan Moore and Grant Morrison, those types of guys, they really know how to use comic books, like, to their, um, yeah. you know, biggest, largest potential. 
taking advantage of all the tools it has to offer instead of just making it feel like a movie or a cheap mm-hmm. strip. Um, and of course we have my favorite Clark Kent look, the Bronze Age blue suit, red tie. Uh, just a very classic look. Mm-hmm. Um, now that, that dude in the back seat smoking a pipe, he's dressed like Jimmy Olsen, but I don't think it's supposed to be Jimmy Olsen. No, I think it's just supposed to be some random science reporter. Yeah, someone yeah. in the yeah in the crowd. Yeah, yeah, but um, you know, there's just there's just so much. Uh, this artwork's fantastic. Oh, really? Yeah, the writer's Alan Moore, the pencil is Rick Vich, uh, ink is Al Williamson, letterer is Costanza, colorist is uh, Tatiana Wood, and editor is Julius Swartz. Just to get that out of the way, because uh, obviously this artwork's great. There's so much effort put into, you know, this this I love this uh, whole panel with the professor explaining about the fungus mm-hmm. and how you've got like the stuff floating in the background. Yeah. Um, space fungus among us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you talk, you talked about the golden age look of Superman. One again, one of my other favorite transitions of this issue is right at the bottom of the page where the scientist says, Oh, if only I had a microscope to examine it properly. <laughs> and then the next mm-hmm. panel is Clark. And you know, he's, and you know, he's examining it with his x-ray vision. You know, you know, he's, he, he's, he's looking at it at every detail, just the little, the, the little kind of smile on his face, the set of his eyes behind his glasses. That is, that is classic. Yeah. yeah. And he looks a bit too far though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Crazy Scarlet Jungle. And the Scarlet Jungle was a thing before this. It's like one of the staples of a crypt, like, you know, the old Wayne Boring sort mm-hmm. of Krypton, um, back in yeah. the Silver Age. Yeah, they were pre-Donner Krypton. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what is it, what is it like, um, generally? Is it like just a, a, a part of Krypton that, um, it's that funny because, pretty... yeah, it's like full of like these weird creatures. You generally don't want to go there. And as this issue uh-huh. explains, it had this really deadly virus in it. Yeah. And it's also like, it was a really bizarre touch where the Scarlet Jungle would actually move and Kryptonians okay. would have to get out yeah. of the way and hide from it like, once a mm-hmm. year or something. I mean, it was in some old Silver Age issue. I can't remember. But, you know, it was pretty crazy. Oh, as far as it's that time of the year, the jungle's going to move by itself. We better uh, get out of the way. Like, the trees just get up and start walking or something. I don't know. It's crazy. Wow. Uh, I do miss, like, these uh, crazier versions of Krypton, though, that weren't so sterile, yeah. like uh, Richard Donner and John Byrne. Like, I love the sterile Kryptons because I think they really reflects I, I love the social commentary of those sterile kryptons uh right right but right. i do miss like the kind of just full-on creative alien weird pulpy stuff that the old kryptons had going on like for instance yeah. the scarlet jungle with walking trees like the jewel mountains <laughs> stuff like that uh you know so yeah it's a it's a place of adventure yeah too, which which i kind of fits with superman becoming a Earth's greatest adventure too. He has one foot in both worlds. Yeah, mm. which is I, I love the Superman the animated series Krypton because it was you know the society was kind of sterile and stuff, but it still looked vibrant. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jor-El mm-hmm. was like a scientist, but a man of action. You know, I yeah. thought that was good for Superman because he's sort of similar. And the opening of uh, Zack Snyder's Man of Steel mm. at least had a little bit of that too. Yeah, I mean, and not as colorful, but uh, certainly they're fight around on dragons and I mean, be great battles. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but they even had the broken moon in the back that Jack saw uh, broke. It's like, I thought that was a really awesome detail they put in. You got some Silver Age mm-hmm. fans there. So, yeah, that was a good Krypton too. Not that we'll ever see it again, but... 
know. Um, thanks, oh. Warner Brothers. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I mean, okay, look. Sorry, guys. P- weekly podcast rant. We have a perfect Superman just sitting there, and Warner Brothers isn't using him because they don't know uh, what to do with him. You, know, you got a guy who no, walked out of no. a comic book, and he's like, "Hey, I can. I look exactly like Superman. Put me in movies." And they're like, eh, uh, "We'll just make a Suicide Squad sequel." Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, anyway, so if they can make a fifty-five billion dollars Superman movie, maybe they. <laughs> I'd take a low-budget Superman movie. Sure, why not? Um, Give me a Clark Kent movie. I'll watch a Clark Kent movie. Uh, But, uh, yeah, so Superman's uh, starting to get affected. Like, Lana takes him out of the place, which is, uh, you know... I'll I'll come back to that later, because I have something to say about that. But I love, like, Mm -hmm. this this weird dead rhino thing with all the stuff growing out of it. Fungus. Yeah, Yeah, that's gross. Fungus on it. Yeah, I'm sure Alan yeah. Moore's Swamp Thing is gets has like gets significantly grosser, but for Superman this is pretty gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love who we kind of have Superman. Approved, uh, this is a comic called Authority approved Alan yeah. Moore. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah, I remember you guys talking about that. So Swamp Thing wasn't under the CCA, right? They, wow, uh, they ditched oh. it. I think that the first uh, regular comic book that did ditch it, and they wow. probably ditched it for good reason. <laughs> Yeah, so this was actually the first uh, Alan Moore comic in, in in a little while that had hit, that was back under the Comics Code uh, Authority banner. Um, uh, one thing I noticed that I thought was really cool is you know Superman knows okay page four seventeen entry five thousand three hundred eight. Um, <laughs> Alan Moore has 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 hinted there, there there was an earlier story in Swamp Thing where the Justice League were, were were watching things happening on Earth and they they really get into Superman's super intelligence. Hmm. Um, and, 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 and I kind of like how Alan Moore kind of gets back to that here with his, his photographic memory of, of, of remembering every page number, every entry. And, um, I just think it's really cool on page four where you have the, you know, the kind of the farther out shot of the rock close in on Clark's eyes, then closer, then closer on his eyes. And then he's seeing it all on a Microsoft scopic level and then his eye just gets huge when he realizes what he's what he's seen it's just again mm. this visual storytelling is just fantastic he also oh, looks I like just, he wants it, to mug you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just a great way of highlighting drama and like a bit yeah. of tension there mm. yeah. yeah yeah and it's like that so many writers complain that uh you know superman's too powerful to write about but then again to toot the horn of alan moore and grant morrison they embrace like, they love, like, Silver Age Superman. It can do so many things, and they craft these amazing mm-hmm. stories, which are character-driven, despite the fact that he has this huge power set. You know, it does not yeah, confuse guys. Um, like, just yeah, because he he's... Yeah, he's so surprised. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it, it's all about the talent of the writer, you know, and, like, how mm-hmm. much you can use your imagination, how creative you are. And, honestly, if you think Superman being powerful is just a barrier to any interesting stories, then, man, I don't know. I write another book <laughs> that requires less creativity. Because, um, yeah, like, a lot of Superman's best stories, most regarded stories, are him, you know, like Silver Age Superman at the peak of his power. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Just did a snooker season. Yeah, and, and because of how powerful he is, the, the stakes are often automatically bigger mm. because of how mm. important he is. Um, and, and here, I mean, it, it's 
it, it's I, I don't think he get, comes infected because he looks at it with x-ray vision but he kind of Albor kind of leads you along that path that maybe if he didn't look and didn't cover it things would go on as normal but maybe his powers get him in trouble here mm. uh, and his curiosity um, but or maybe it's just part of his job here but at least there, there's a certain uh, lead up to it that he has to explore that. Part of that does come up later. Yeah. Mm. I also kind of like that. Uh, I think the blood morale is, is kind of an idea related to the black mercy. Uh, mm. Another kind of plant type or non humanoid uh, plant or fungus that uh, the very human Superman is not able to uh, deal with very well. Yeah. Mm. And it's the cruelest sounding plant ever. Too, so. <laughs> yeah, actually, Ray and I were talking about that off air. Um, yeah, like in two of Alan Moore's Superman stories, is he, he's getting messed up by plants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, but that might come from him working on Swap Thing and having mm. to figure out what he can do with that. Yeah, yeah, true. Well, you know, it's all good. It all feeds into each other and makes these good stories. So Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I, I love this montage. You go on the next page. Uh, just like just these facial expressions are really good. Um, I love how yeah. small Clark looks on the subway. Oh yes, 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 yes. Hunched, yeah. hunched. Mm. You know, a little, little passive. Yeah, every everything on that page is uh, Superman and Clark Kent look surprised or uh, worried or mm. just not the competent character that you're you're used to. Yeah, like this yeah. his world yeah. is falling apart. Um, and the best yeah. is that big vertical, that vertical yeah. column in the center mm. where he's he's imagining himself falling out of the sky. He's reaching yeah. for something. You think of that classic line from the first Donner Superman: "You've got me. Who's got you?" Well, nobody's got him. Hey, gravity and has yeah. fallen, <laughs> and, it's, and, 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 and this is the first time he's ever he's ever felt that. Yeah. And 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 again, as you said, he looks he looks so small in that in that mm. in that in that center panel there on the subway. And this is yeah, just watching. It hurts to, to, to see Superman kind of kind of just falling apart like this. This, this mm. is a super, no pun intended, a super vulnerable uh, Superman. Like, yeah. especially around yeah. this era, you didn't see him like this, just looking this small and worried mm. and vulnerable. Like, you know, Superman was pretty angsty in this era, but, you know, just <laughs> all, all these yeah. panels where he's like burning himself with the tap. Um, I do find it funny how he walks in on these two people <laughs> making out of there. Um, yeah. The woman's a lot more attractive than the dude in that panel, I'll just say. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> You're punching not wrong. His, punching above his white, yeah. <laughs> he looks like some bookie or something, some sleazy like, bookie. Get out of here, Clint, Kit. This is the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got to say also, um, and further to what you were saying, John, that, that vertical panel of Superman falling, I think it's a really... Oh neat bit of writing and layout and and art because although generally all the panels you know more or less are silent and they have the narration on them what alan moore does is he leads it um leads into that vertical panel with he considered flying to his apartment so good and then that explains it and i don't know if you experienced the same thing but to me that vertical panel just fell silent and just for a split second you see him falling going oh and it just created such a cool effect Mm. And then yeah. it goes back into him going into the subway. So, yeah, a really good. The words of the images are, yeah, very much in sync there. It's, it's oh, really, totally, it's totally. really thoughtful. Yeah, 
Yeah, very good. Yeah, it's it's all working together nicely. There's you know, mm. it's not like no redundancy. It's like where Stanley goes, "Hey, draw the story," and I'll just like write text everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, look, not ragging on Stanley. As I said, favorite Spider-Man run of all time is the Stanley uh, Ramita Junior Dicto stuff. I'm just saying that's how they did it back then. Mm. Right. Um, this next page is interesting. Uh, he's, you know, he's having nightmares. Getting uh, <laughs> he's having really weird nightmares actually, where his suits are talking oh. to each other. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it looks a bit weird. He's clutching the bedsheets. It's kind of goofy, but I love it. Like, it, it's not out of place, like, in this story. Like, cause, you know, mm-hmm. this, this is like the imagery you have in comics and stuff. Um, mm. you know, the Superman suit's like, come on, man, you're a legend, you're Superman, and Clark Kent's like, mm. I don't know, man, just die. <laughs> so, <laughs> too is like there's like this classic like 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 horror movie moment of shut up both of you i'm not listening you're not yeah. and he wakes up you're not real and there they're yeah. both the suits are just hanging there <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like everything is like reaching out of his closet toward him yeah <laughs> just that angle of like coming of 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 it's it's almost like if there were a camera inside the closet looking at it almost as like whatever his nightmare is still sitting in the closet looking at him and looking mm. through his his, his 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 two costumes, it's fantastic. Mm. It's just it's yeah. so good. So, what did you guys make of the, this exchange exactly between the costumes? Well, I mean, I I kind of think, I mean, we, we've kind of lost this kind of duality or maybe mm. uh, triology with the Superman here. I mean, yeah, he, he Clark Kent is pretty much Superman these days, and vice versa. There's there's really not a whole lot of yeah. Drawing, but we have the alter eel here, but I think we see various parts of Superman here. Actually, I think we see three parts of Superman. We kind of see the the public persona of the hero and the fighting spirit personified, and then we have maybe the the more human part, the relays raised by the Kents, that's more modest and humble. That maybe you just accept that you're yeah a humble, and then we we probably have the 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 guy in between them. Well, I guess he's not literally in between them in the panel, but he's, yeah. he's a mixture of both of those characters. I mean, and uh, probably the real thing, the real human, yeah. the underneath the suits, uh, that that tries to uh, make sense of it and and wander his way through. I mean, I, I think it is actually quite interesting that uh, you see a topless Superman in a comic of this mm, era. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just didn't I mean, realize he, that. You, you don't really see that too often with no. Superman, at least in this era. That's certainly not before. Although, I possibly do the CCA stamp. He has no nipples. <laughs> That's very noticeable. <laughs> Maybe it's a Kryptonian the, thing. Maybe know. it is. <laughs> <laughs> and there's only two suits in his closet, so yeah. that's a little weird. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, but yeah. Two suits there for, for a reason. <laughs> And nothing else, it doesn't clutter up the page. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I like the the real small little panel in the, the mm. lower right hand corner. Yeah. yeah. Everything's kind of sinking in on him. Again, First of all, wow. He's very yeah. small, again. <laughs> yeah, again. He's surrounded uh, by black, essentially. Mm. Yeah. I'm not sure about the Clark Kent thing, though, because to me, that was more. 
I mean, because that was a very defeatist and very insecure attitude. Um, I'm not sure if that's meant to be like his human side. I, I thought it was just feeding into his insecurities uh, as opposed to his confidence, uh, a bit more abstract, um, although represented, you know, with the Superman costume and the Clark Kent. Um, but, yeah, but Clark Kent isn't – he's not He's not um, typically um, – kind of defeatist is he i mean his clark kent persona is like the acting is he okay oh because he acts like a coward i'm not sure how much he does in the bronze age but around like silver and gold Uh age clark is always like uh you know i'm just gonna take this jetpack and leave everyone else on this space shuttle because i'm a coward and then he goes off and changes (laughs) into superman ah right okay yeah 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 okay well then very much yeah yeah would be his um yeah but I, I do think there is something to him to say that he's just that death comes to everyone in the end. I, yeah. I think that is certainly certainly represents humanity. Maybe mm. it's a little overdone here, but I, I mm. think it's it's certainly the aspect that yes, you are a human being, and part of being a human is that you die eventually, yeah. and you need to accept it. I, I think that is at least a, a reasonable part of Superman. Whether he accepts it or not, I don't know, but mm. it, it's certainly something in the back of his head. I think. Yeah. And, yeah, and you're right. the 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 real duality, or you know, did kind of disappear with John Burns reboot because John Burns reboot was so successful. Everyone generally just rolls with the fact that Clark Kent's the real uh, persona, and Superman's the act he sort of puts on. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, I always interpret it as like you know, the real Clark is someone in between Superman and Clark, as opposed to right. one or the other. Right. Um, yeah, I think Chris. Reed was very good at doing that. Mm, definitely, the scene where he takes mm, the glasses yeah. off and straightens up. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah he, mean, he was great. He, I think he was—he was definitely the best. Uh, like, I like—I like every live-action Superman except Mr. Hoechlin. I'm sorry, because um, I—we I, we have a couple of friends that listen, and they—they they really love Tyler Hoechlin, and I'm, I always feel bad when I rag on him. Uh, but um, like, I love every live-action Superman. But Christopher Reed was definitely the best at, you know having Clark Kent and Superman definitely be different people and making mm. it actually believable that people wouldn't necessarily believe he was Superman. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just the way he carried himself, his body language. Like, I would watch a Three Stooges-style Clark Kent movie with Christopher Reeve that went for, like, three hours, <laughs> just him bumbling around and running into people and stuff and saying, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Richard Lester probably would have made it for you. Yeah, that's a good yeah, point, but, actually. But also, like doing, but also like doing little nice things for people without their noticing. Mm, just, I, I, that is awesome. Clever, yeah, clever little things tucked in there. Yeah, like when he, uh, I can't remember what comic. Maybe, maybe it was Morrison's actual comics, but like he trips over and knocks someone out of the way of like an incoming truck. I think it was Jimmy. Yeah, I think it's All Star. Um, yeah, uh, super rad. It does it, <laughs> which is great. Um, which he's always done, which has always been an nice little touch. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So we get a montage of his powers fluctuating. You know, like he's walking across the street, the music starts blaring. This is, there's like a bus going past, a boombox next to his ear, and the jackhammer, <laughs> and the kid yelling. <laughs> so much That's not, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what's the, what's the kid yelling? I want a hamburger, ma. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, maybe like they're just um, 
Maybe they just appear close because that's how he's hearing them. Maybe they're not actually that close. That's actually that's a great that's a great take. That's a great take. Mm. Well, it, that's what that's what I actually thought. Like I was joking about it, but I mean, because it doesn't make sense otherwise. <laughs> but Metropolis is very busy in the morning. You never know. <laughs> that's true. But, uh, what, what, what I love is just how how trusted Superman is here. Like, you know, mm. in other words, he goes to talk to Doctor Everett at the Institute for Extraterrestrial Studies. Uh, pardon me, Doctor Everett. I need I need the, the 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 magical space rock that is like the the the, the thing your entire career. This discovery is the thing your yeah, entire this career. Yeah, huge breakthrough. Yeah. Can I can I borrow it? Sure, Superman, because I know you're Superman and you'll do the right thing. <laughs> you know, I love yeah. that. Oh, really? I, I I thought it was a bit. Um, that had me kind of raising an eyebrow a bit you're a pessimist um, right he, would he would he really relinquish that like it's as you say it's something that he's been studying and it's it's a boon for him um but he just hands it over to superman quite over in the course of two panels uh, i thought that was a little a i mean little how quick. how many times has this superman publicly saved the earth you know yeah i feel, I, I just took it like even the description says it's touching because like he's just superman's done so much for the planet so selfless and yeah. then of course he'll give him even though it's his life works he'll give it to him just as a token of like appreciation yeah. well Ro- robert had made the point when we when we did our our podcast about this issue that it sort of it, it cements superman's status as the world's most respected hero mm. without without alan moore's actually having to say that again yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it and it it also kind of underlines that Superman could turn to help. Uh, mm. Here, it kind of he, he wants to do it all by himself. Here, and I think that's part of the, the problem with Superman, or at least a flaw of Superman is he's yeah. so confident in his own abilities that he doesn't uh, turn to other people. But other people are always willing to help. And he's so uh, com- yeah. yeah, he's so confident that even when he loses his abilities, he just he doesn't think anyone would be able to help him. Like, it just doesn't occur to him that there's people there that will help him. Like, he just thinks he's on mm. his own all the time. Um, yeah. Yes. Which is, I, I think, interesting. I mean, he, he mm. lives by himself, and he has his fortress of solitude, and he's very much yeah. I, his, his own private man in many ways, and doesn't doesn't share, and that's probably part of his uh, flaw that gets him deeper into trouble. It's an aspect of the character that I really love that's kind of disappeared a bit over recent years. Um, Like, notably with, like, the Kents being alive. I'm not a fan of the Kents being alive. I don't like that he can just sort of go to them for advice all the time. Mm -hmm. I think he should be able to work... He should be able to try and work through his problems by himself. Uh, Like, I, I really love John Byrne's run and Exile. I love that era. But, you know, sometimes he just always goes back to his parents and say, like, oh, Pa, give me some, you know, immense wisdom, flawless wisdom, and give me a pep talk. You know, and I'm like, look, he's Superman. He should walk. Like, his parents have been dead for a long time, since his inception, until that reboot. Um, and, and like, the, the whole recent thing where he has a son now. Uh, mm-hmm. like, I think it's a cool aspect to explore with the character, but again, it's just not really my thing. I like him kind of feeling isolated. Uh, yes. You know? Yeah. Like, I kind of like that he's isolated by his own choice. Yeah. Choices. Um, and I also like the fact that he couldn't breed. Like, I thought that was a nice little tragic aspect to his character that he couldn't actually reproduce. Um, 
Which they got around because comics lost his powers temporarily. Yeah. He was able to. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, he's examining the meteor rock. Um, I love this, like, little. He's trying to find a place without superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. To go and die. <laughs> yeah, because he, because there's actually, I, I missed that panel. Um, where he's looking out the window, that really awesome panel, he's like, he understood then that he was going to die. Right. Like, he's like, there's no... I'm going to look for another solution. He's like, oh, I'm dead. I just need to mm, find yeah. somewhere to go die. <laughs> you know? In other words, looking at, at the blinds there, you know, Superman, who is a character who is so associated with the sun and the power of the sun, yeah. just kind of drenched in these in these sad shadows. Mm. Yeah. And, and much of this way of thinking i think would be induced from the the fungus right from the blood morel um mm. because again it, it's it, it's showing kind of superman you know almost kind of really giving up um to me that's not kind of i thought superman would have been more resilient in that in that regard well it's interesting uh, because when we get later into the issue superman's resilience is what's causing the trouble yeah which is um, killing yeah yeah. Like his fighting spirit. That's I'll, I'll get to that when we get there. But science version. But uh, the, I remember there's a there's a famous story. Uh, not the death of Superman. It's one that came out around the same time in the 60s, I think. And he essentially got this yeah. super virus that was going to kill him. Virus axe or something like that. Yeah. And what he does, he doesn't go to get help from anyone. He just builds himself a chamber to die in, so he doesn't infect anyone. Like once he understands right. with his logic, I'm actually going to die. I'll just make sure I die by myself and, like, you know, people won't see me die, I won't upset them and uh, won't possibly infect them. And I kind of took this as a similar thing. Right. I don't think it's really about giving up. I think it's about, uh, again, it's it's sort of a commentary on how alone he feels when he's not mm. actually alone. And, um, yeah, just, like, not wanting to, you know, sort of be a burden, I guess, to other people or... You know, possibly be a danger to them. Um, I don't know. Yeah. What do you guys think? I, I think he views it as selfless. He's not going to burden the community. Uh, may he'll just disappear and still exist as a symbol of hope. Yeah. Rather than die and be buried at a public funeral and make everybody sad and just kind of disappear. I, I think that's, that's, I mean, that's part of it. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, but that's not his responsibility, though. You yeah. know, to, to what other people think when he's dead. Like he'll be dead. So, so <laughs> uh, you know what I mean. Um, so it sounds all a bit yeah. like, you know, he's he's kind of thinking too much into it, isn't he? Um, <laughs> I, I can but, definitely yeah. see where you're coming from because, yeah, you know, Superman's a character that's known for like not giving up. He's mm, got that mm-hmm. daredevil stubbornness. Um, but and it makes me think though, because they just say, I, I thought. Is, is this the virus or, or the, mm. the, the fungus that's doing it? I, but think, I, I, I think there's some virus and fungus involved for sure. Mm. But then but then you're saying, Connor, as well, that he is fighting it, which is killing So wouldn't the virus be wanting him to um, to resist? Because that, that's kind of playing into the into its um, its method. So anyway. I guess that that's when the like the virus hasn't kicked up to that level yet where it's essentially mm. like, I'm killing you right now, and making him super mm. delirious. Again, no pun intended. I use the word super. Mm. Um, <laughs> super delirious virus. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, I think when, when, when he's about to die from the virus, that's when it really kicks up and he starts hallucinating. Yeah. And stuff like that. He's not, he's not at that point yet. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't have the beard yet. And he's not sweating, super sweating through all his clothes. Uh, That was a pun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of gestating there and kind of working his way in and maybe building up for his last, uh, uh, few moments. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and so a lot, a lot of like the super deals with the used car lot. Well, it just shows that he's like <laughs> everywhere, I guess. Like his symbol is everywhere. Um, I don't know. It was just a fun little. I didn't notice that. That's pretty funny. Buys the car under the name Cal Ellis. <laughs> yeah. If you can't trust somebody that uses a Superman symbol, who can you trust? Have you guys? Oh, actually, well, funny enough, Calvin Ellis was Grant Morrison's alternate reality Superman. Mm. Uh, the the black president of the United States. Who's actually a pretty cool dude. He's not... Really, yeah. Because um, <laughs> yeah. it just said, on paper, it just sounds like it's a really political Obama statement or something, but it's not. It's like a pretty cool universe. Uh, anyway. Oh, have you... Sorry, have you... Any of you guys read the latest Flash Forward? Because it's got is that Calvin? There's a there's a black Superman at the end. No spoilers. <laughs> is does he have like is a white him? and red S? I think so. Yeah, I've not read that. I mean, I can't think of no, any I other read. black Superman. So yeah, it probably oh, that's is pretty him. cool. Yeah, pretty cool to know. <laughs> anyway, side note. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. We, we love our tangents here. Huh. Uh, yeah, you head south. He gets in a car crash because he's. You know, um, car goes on fire. The potent symbolism here is he emerges from the fire. He emerges in flames, which is uh, a mm-hmm. lot like a certain origin. Yes. Mm, uh, yes. Uh, Batman's origin. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like. I like that. There's just a panel of the, the car on fire before the door gets. Kicked off the uh, yeah. hinges, mm-hmm. gets out, emerges, um, and he kind of kind of wanders towards the swamp itself. Is as a very much a parallel to the action, but I I like the little introduced uh, Scarlet Jungle uh, frame in there, probably Halloween mm. picturing itself mm. in between. Yeah. And that panel, that panel is so is so misshapen too. It's, yes. it's just almost like exactly. this crazy, like this crazy shard of his of his consciousness that's building this this image yeah. around him. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. That's exactly yeah. yeah what I was thinking. Well, it's, Over, it's really overlaid nice. on those square panels, yeah. Mm. Yeah, like just I, I love when they use um, just little things like this, um, you know, different different panels and stuff. It's not just like a Bender's nine block. <laughs> of text, um, just, yeah, just prose, yeah, yeah, of people talking like teenagers. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, uh, with the obvious Swamp Thing origin parallels, uh, and the obvious rebirth sort of parallels, uh, you know, Superman passes out, and we, our, our mossy green friend, pops up. Uh, for the first time in the issue, about halfway through the issue, page eleven, mm-hmm. he pops yeah. up. So. Uh, it takes a while, but he gets there. Yeah, I mean, and it, it, it feels natural that this is the point where yeah. they have to meet up. Mm. 
It's a great intro. Yeah. Like, it's just completely logical. Like, he's driving towards the swamp to pass out. Hey, who, who hangs out in the swamp just wandering around doing, like, nothing? Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love his intro of just his, you know, his, his, his giant feet, feet there, yeah. you know, just right, yeah. right, right beside Superman's head. And he, he's, it's, there's just, yeah. So much of, I think, of the, the, the best Swamp Thing art just shows how expressive his, oh, his eyes are. So when he's, when he's coming at somebody with the intention of, of kicking somebody's butt, uh, the, the eyes are terrifying. But here, they're, they're curious, they're inquisitive, they're compassionate as he rolls them over. They're curious in the sense that I wonder, uh, was he inside the vehicle when I heard it explode? I wonder, why is he not dead? I, I wonder mm. who he is. And then you have then that great transition into the next page where, what I love here when, when when we get to Superman and the Scarlet Jungle on the next page is that even when he was in his hallucinations throughout the issue, he sort of had, I think of the, the, the term residual self-image from, from the Matrix, where when they're in the Matrix, they see themselves as these idealized versions of themselves. But now, even as Superman, even when he sees himself as Superman, he still has the stubbly beard. Yeah. So yeah, even yeah. so every part of him is kind of fraying and and falling apart and i love i love that little detail that even even when he sees himself as superman even that now is disheveled and a little a little a little bit crazy mm. yeah um and all well drawn as well he looks quite worn not that yes yes. yes yes oh the artwork's great especially on swamp thing though it's um, mm. really fantastic Art of Swamp Thing, and I, the, one of the things I love about Swamp Thing, which is obviously a lot of it, is the artwork, is a just a very gentle giant aspect of the character. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's just yeah. I, I don't know. It's just because he's this big horrible swamp monster, but his eyes and his face are just so like gentle a lot of the time because he generally just wants to help people before he inevitably gets ambushed by like an angry mob with pitchforks and stuff. But uh, <laughs> happened like every right, right. issue. <laughs> It's probably a silly question, but uh, Robert and John, you've seen the have you seen the Swamp Thing TV show? Yeah, I've not seen all of it. I, I love what I've seen. I've seen about the first three or four episodes. I love it. It's very good. Okay, I'm not all the way caught up with it. Uh, it. It's it's very. They they spent a lot of money on it, and it shows up on screen, uh, mm-hmm. and the cast are very, is very good. I, I think the the latter parts of it kind of falls apart a bit, okay. uh, but it's. It's certainly worth watching. Okay, yeah. It's certainly a good representation of the character. Uh, I I think the overall plot, they they had their season shortened, and I I presume because of budget overruns, and yeah, you can tell they had their season was shortened there at the end. Okay, yeah. But the character, I think, is very well done, and it looks very good, and I think the cast is is very good top to bottom, so. Yeah, cool. I couldn't believe when it was cancelled, I was shattered. Um, yeah, especially then they they seem to be building up uh, yeah. to something, but but apparently so they, good. all they the promos like, look really good. Yeah, it yeah. looked really yeah. yeah, it was building up really well. Yeah. Well, apparently they spent like eighty million dollars on the season there, wow. which is which is probably too much for a, a non household name character. Mm, yeah, just put a guy in a rubber risk. suit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the rubber suit they have here is very good. It's 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 way beyond what they were able to do in the 1980s. I mean, I've seen what right. Swamp Thing right. looks like in the show. It's it's incredible. It's so ama- it's so amazing. Um, the eyes, how red the eyes are. Oh, so yeah. Good. So I'm just 
I guess I don't, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but I'm so worried about watching it because I don't want to watch a show, get invested, and have it end on a cliffhanger. Mm. I mean, I got burned it, with it, Constantine. It, yeah. Um, this one doesn't really end on a cliffhanger. They, they kind of wrap it up enough. That okay. It at least ends with a resolution of the character. That's good then, because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, there there are loose ends. Uh at the end, so it, it's it's not it's not totally clean. They they do the best they could, so yeah. I, oh, because they they got short notice, really. Yeah. So um, it's it's not completely satisfying as an ending, but it, it it's it does have an ending of the of the season. Yeah, I mean, Krypton got cancelled as well. Uh, that ends up on a cliffhanger. Yeah, um, that one I think will get picked up. You reckon? I think somebody will pick that. Oh, I okay. Somebody will. Yeah, I, I really like the I first season. Yeah. Um, wasn't he? That one, I think they could sell that one uh, around the world. I don't, I think they, they weren't able to sell Swamp Thing internationally. Mm. I think that kind of doomed them. I just, Mm. I really, I really wish like the DCU app was available outside of America because I would get it. I would get it to support these shows because I enjoy Titans. You know, Doom Patrol was fantastic. It's amazing. Um, I'm so glad that got renewed as well. Uh, like, I want to support it, but they're not letting me. <laughs> I know, <laughs> you know, I know. Like, I know. It's all that, that the old shooting yourself in the foot adage that is Warner Brothers. Um, yeah. Suits, man. Well, suits. Well, I, I understand if they, if they can't make money on it. That, that's, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Thing, so. <laughs> I, that's I don't true. have to like it, but I understand it. Mm. Yeah, and that, that does definitely seem to be the case of Swamp Thing, uh, despite the really positive critical reception. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, but it cost them an arm and a leg, though, didn't it? So yeah, yeah. I mean that should be penance for all their mess ups previously. They should be paying <laughs> us <laughs> for the trauma they've inflicted. But but of the of the of the, the three live action shows so far, I I think Doom Patrol has been easily the best of them. And so okay. I, I I'm happy they greenlit Doom Patrol, and I'm happy that they renewed it. So I just want to ask quickly, who was your favorite in Doom Patrol? Man, it's so tough because they're they're all. Because I love really Robot good. Man. Robot Man <laughs> and Niles Calder were my favorites. Uh, yeah, I mean Brendan Fraser had had to really work hard to come up with new variations on WTF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did say that a lot. <laughs> it always worked. The the giant alligator was the best one. <laughs> He's just like ah. Oh. Uh, I guess you guys will get that once you watch. At some point, um, it's good stuff. <laughs> uh, anyway, back but to the fact that they actually did Danny the Street there is very impressive. Yeah, they uh, they, they just they went crazy. Did not hold back. No, I mean Flex Mentalo. Flex Mentalo, yeah. Yeah, I mean, who ever thought that would happen? Uh, I'm I'm glad they just went completely nuts with it. <laughs> and Mr. Nobody, you know, he yeah. was fantastic too. Yeah, you guys should definitely watch that because it's awesome. Uh, and weird. Uh, it's on the list, the ever, the ever-growing list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ever-growing list. Yeah. Um, but uh, meanwhile, Superman's being mauled by extinct Kryptonian things. Well, actually, he's more mauling them, really. Uh, <laughs> so that, that it seems like they're preying on his. It's interesting here. Like you know, you should have died on Krypton. You know, the whole idea that his survival is this kind of weird mistake or this cosmic yeah, mistake. Something unnatural. Um, yeah, like, you know, mm. it was, Krypton was meant to die. Like, everyone was meant to die, and there's this lone survivor that, you know, sort of 
avoided the natural course of things. Um, well, I guess Supergirl lived too, but you know. Yeah, but. <laughs> We'll just bring that she, up. She sometimes count and sometimes doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In this case, she doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there, there's certain like there's, there's something unnatural alien about him uh, not joining his place uh, yeah. with the rest of the Kryptonians uh, in extinction. I Which, like I like the use of extinction too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And they've never really done that. They've never really explored that idea uh, outside of this. The whole idea that you know Superman should be extinct with the rest of his race—it's uh, it, like a very pessimistic idea to explore. But I think it's cool. It's interesting, um, and, and maybe like it's an insecurity or fear in his subconscious that one day mm-hmm. Destiny will catch up with him, like he's living on borrowed time or something. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah. But uh, back to our green friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, who who kind of recognizes him? One of my favorite pages in the issue. Yeah, it is really so good. good. Yeah, I I love how the 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 narration balloons they go from being yellow with black text concentrating. I try mm. to establish contact, and it turns it and, and the colors flip mm. to where it's now yellow text over this black background of he's tapped and he's touched it. And now he's tapped into the illusion because around Swamp Thing, the jungle turns to, or the the the, the swamp turns into the scarlet ju- the scarlet jungle, and he knows that he just throws the rock down. Oh, I touched that. I was <laughs> in another world, and and just it's. I think it's a very effective way of showing the power of this thing. Yeah. And also showing Swamp Thing's respect for its power. It's like I can't have this thing in my hands. I have to throw it down, and that just the the flipping of the colors in mm. there of, of of the text is it's just so effective mm. that it's you, he's just touched and tapped into something very dark and bad and terrible mm-hmm. you gotta love the mm. word alien next to the rock yes. of course superman's yeah. face yeah. as well yeah 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 again alan ward just knows how to use the words and pictures together and yeah he's very very efficient mm. I mean, we're only, what, 13 pages into it, but I mean, I, I feel like this would be like three or four issues for anybody working today. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, this, and, this would be turned uh, into a six issue trade, like. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, I would love for team up titles to come back, like, uh, DC Comics Presents and Brave and the Bold. You know, I'd love yeah. to make a comeback. I love the Brave and the Bold back in the day with Haiti and Aparo. Mm. Uh, just how crazy it could be. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. It always felt like a, a, a shot of adrenaline. We got one uh, one story, one issue to tell, and we're just going to pack it full of everything we can with these two characters. <laughs> and we'll go. <laughs> they, they don't do that too much anymore. And I, I kind of understand it because nobody knows how to pre order. These books. Mm. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Swamp Thing and Superman probably wasn't something that would have had much pre-orders in the direct market, or maybe it would have had decent ones because Alan Moore was a hot writer at the yeah. time and that. But I, I don't, I don't know how the it's all of the newsstand versus people that were reading the books. Uh, but it's a, it's an yeah. awesome issue. <laughs> like my my favorite, one of my favorite top Superman stories are ones where he's out of his element where he's dealing with magic mm-hmm. or he's teaming up with a hero that he usually wouldn't or dealing with a genre he usually wouldn't, like horror or something. And yeah. I'm a real... I love 
characters being out of their own comfort zone. And I especially right. like Superman. And I would, I would pre-order the crap out of a book where Superman teams up with a different hero every week mm. and goes into their world or, you know, like, yes. uh, I, I think it's such a cool, yeah, and I don't even think Marvel does anything like that anymore because they they used to have the Marvel team up with Spider Man, right? Um, but I don't two think there's any here. books yeah. like that. Actually, two and one made a comeback recently, didn't it? Uh, maybe. Yeah, the thing's awesome. But uh, yeah, I mean, especially I like it when Superman teams up with somebody out of the ordinary, not not just. A... Yeah, not just Batman I mean, or Green Lantern too, again. I, I like it when. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or the Flash, and the, but somebody out of the ordinary, like oh, swap thing. <laughs> Constantine, I'd love to see Superman and Constantine yeah. team up. You know, no, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Mm. Um, they did for a Christmas special, but it wasn't really teaming up. It was just Superman inviting him over for Christmas, and uh, John being like, "Oh, this is awkward, but fun." So. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, go go somewhere different. Yeah, see a different side of the uh, DCU or something we we know very well, but put put it in a different context. Which is one of the best things about John Byrne's Superman reboot is you had the Superman title, which is like the main mythos stuff. Then you had uh, mm-hmm. Adventures of Superman, which is like street level Clark Kent stuff, and then you had Action Comics, which is like the Superman team up book. Yeah, and he teamed up with it, like he teamed up with Phantom Stranger and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was really awesome, and it sold pretty well from what I understand that i guess comics are different now it's all about the events and stuff and harley quinn <laughs> yeah now and i'm a grumpy rage. old man <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah but, but for, for bringing for pulling people out of context i do like kind of like that they pull swamp thing out of his normal context too. Mm, definitely uh, yeah kind of gets into the mm. uh krypton there even just for a few seconds there and his perspective on it and how intense it is with yeah. the gravity and the, the light to be indifferent and all of that. I didn't even think of that something being dragged to like this Kryptonian alien jungle. Uh, it's definitely out of his comfort zone. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a usual virus he's trying to cure here. Uh, or a usual no, fungal not... infestation. Yeah, so, something from beyond. Mm. Uh, but, but at this point, he, he swaps thing does actually kind of pull it all together, what these various clues are, uh, and figures out who he's actually encountering here. Yeah. And what a great uh, image of it being Swamp Thing's hands that rip open mm, Superman's coat to mm. reveal the S. That image is incredible. It's a nice little inversion there. Uh, yeah. That classic that imagery. Cover. Um, that could have been a great cover. Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't trade it for the cover we got. But, but it's definitely, that, a, yeah. That would be a great cover right there, yeah. I love yeah. as soon as he does it, though, Superman, like, sits up. Yeah, <laughs> like, away from you with that crazy face. <laughs> <laughs> Just immediately burns a, a hole in action. Yeah, and yes, yes. Ruthless, like burns a hole through the middle of this dude. Yeah. Waste, like, just wastes no time, just lasering right through Swamp Thing's gut. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> there is a hole in my chest. It will <laughs> yeah. heal. It will heal, but <laughs> I absolutely love Swamp Things. Uh, like inner monologues, they're really great. Oh, they're so good. I can just they're I can so just good. hear it in his voice as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and An invisible uh, scythe begins to reap the trees. Yeah, he just starts laying waste to this swamp. 
Um, and I, lo- I love, like, if that was a human, like, if that was a dude, he would be dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's good that it was Swamp Thing who was on the receiving end of that. <laughs> Which kind of makes this an extension why Swamp Thing has to be the uh, team-up hero in this issue. Yeah. At least the only one who could no, be, like, in a so punching good. bag. Um, <laughs> it's so, so, so good. It's, you know, four bushes burst into flame. In its stump, the rancid green water begins to boil. The most powerful creature on the planet has gone mad. Like, mm. whoa! Yeah. And, like, he's just... He's weirdly still a lot of the time as he's, like, wreaking this havoc. Like, he's just staring at stuff and it's just exploding. Right, yeah. right, right. He howls and a hurricane spills from his lips. Wow. Mm. <laughs> Ugh, the language is just... It's just so beautiful. And it, Sweat like, drips from his brow, vaporizing instantly in the rays from his eyes. I realize that soon the overexertion will kill him, even him. Mm. That even him is such a, just such a powerful little bit of punctuation on yeah. that sentence. It's great. Yeah. Because he, like, he yeah. knows how powerful this guy is, but it will kill like him, <laughs> you know, despite yeah. this tremendous display of power. And that's one of my favorite lines yeah. as well. He burns like a supernova approaching its crescendo. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I love how the the standard uh, heat vision turns into these basically flames is out of control flames mm. uh, yeah i mean when you see it physically you know it's like when you see the red beams you know it's concentrated but like the fact that it's just fire coming out of his eyes <laughs> um, yeah the air is literally on fire from it's uh we, we... again comparing this to for the man who has everything uh, he's very good at sort of portraying, like, the scale of Superman's powers through dialogue. Yeah. Like, the language he uses. Uh, like, there's some language in that book. Uh, I can't remember, but, you know, you know, punches that, you know, move planets mm-hmm. or something. You know, he uses very evocative language. Um, yeah, Moore is got to be one of the, the top two or three comic book writers ever, just to absolutely prose. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And I love the power of the words too, because again, we, we we talked a little bit about how when Swamp Thing initially touches the rock, the the narration bubble swaps colors. Contact this is this horrible thing, but now that he understands what's going on, the next time he puts his hand on Superman's shoulder and says contact, it's back to the sort of soothing rhythm of Swamp Thing's voice. It's it's mm. it's so great. It's so great because you know you have Superman. He's like, I won't be tricked. I'll go without fighting. It's like, <laughs> no, it's 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 the fighting that's killing you. Yeah. Because again, Alec Holland was also a man of science, mm. and and even though Alec, even though the Swamp Thing has discovered that he's technically not really Alec Holland anymore, by discovering that he has become more human possibly than he's ever been. Yeah. By having that knowledge and dealing with it, and it's just beautiful, and it's just beautiful mm-hmm. how he's he's speaking directly to Superman's heart, so and speaking directly to Superman's mind. At this point, does he still think of himself as Alec Holland, even despite the revelation? Or I said complicated. <laughs> it's very complicated. Okay. It's very complicated. I'm sure um, he has a lot of inner yeah. monologues about it. <laughs> <laughs> he did for a while, and they were beautifully written. Uh, um, uh, but he uh, found Abigail uh, Cable always calls him Alec, and he's yeah. okay. reluctant to accept it, but he accepts it from her because what else are they going to call him? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Um, and, but. Uh, he has complicated relationships, including to how he feels about uh, Alec Holland's wife, Linda. Yeah, um, I'd imagine. As it, 
it's still somebody that he loved yeah. and lost. So it's like, how much are you by memory and how much are, am I myself? So, mm-hmm. and what am I becoming? Um, right. Right. I kind of like that he, he actually came, came to ex- accept what he is and his mission here is kind of to make Superman accept what's actually going on. Yeah. Here. I love Um, (laughs) how Superman just has, like, his hands on his hips as he's burning everything. It's like, yeah, this is a good job I'm doing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Take that, monsters! It's like, that's the craziest Superman's look this issue, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yeah, but, I mean, like, I... Look, I like... uh, How do you pronounce the name? Beach? Beach. Beach. Okay, so, like, his Superman's really good. But I think his swamp, his swamp thing is like just amazing. Um, you know, I think it's pretty obvious that he's a swamp thing artist, I guess. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm not talking down to Superman. I'm just saying like swamp thing is just so incredibly detailed. So good. Right. Uh, you know, just his facial expressions and stuff. Like I, I yeah, I don't know. It just, it just wows me every time I see. Uh, our swampy friend look at things and, you know, make expressions. Like, especially that panel of contact as he's looking at the rock. You know, you can just see what yeah. he's thinking and feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and even just the little details when, uh, after he gets his fist, cru- his hand crushed by Superman and yeah. just regrows quickly, which is like, it's a nice subtle way of, uh, uh, Showing the readers what his power set is. Yeah. There too. Yeah. The, like if, I feel like if you haven't read Swamp Thing, uh, which should actually be good if Ray was here, cause he would, um, oh yeah, if I didn't quote it before, Ray has had to go, unfortunately. Um, but you know, he'll be, he'll be back next episode. He just, you know, he has young and to think about and it's quite late. So, uh, yeah, but. Yeah. Ray, and, we, and we are very much too detail-oriented when you bring us that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fun, and, I love and, it. And thank you for accommodating the, the, the time zones of your guests. Uh, oh, no, uh, it, also, it's fine. Which was, which was super great. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be even more accommodating next week on my other podcast, so I'm getting up at 4 a.m., so... Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I, I think you see a little bit of the Swap Thing comic itself, where... Uh, the little sound effects uh, by John Costanza as the Swamp Thing uh, regrows his hand too. Uh, Squilp. Is... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Like, yeah, I feel like if you haven't read something, you get a pretty good idea of his capabilities. Right. Uh, right. I know I did when I read this because I first read, like, I got in, I was obviously in Superman before I was in the Swamp Thing, and I read this before. This might be the first thing with Swamp Thing that I ever read, and I got a pretty good idea of what he was all about mm-hmm. when I read this for the first time. You know, he's like... Yeah. Uh, he can, you know, communicate with, like, fungal viruses and stuff, or, like, I don't know, fix it, go into it, he can regenerate. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. He can take a beating. He can take a hell of yes. a beating, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love the... Just almost how comical the, the, the panel of Superman punching him out of the out of the frame and just swapping feet. Straight feet, just... Boy, I go down fighting. Kapow! That that really made me laugh when I saw the feet just like. Um, it's, but then it's followed. It really feels like something out of uh, Mad Magazine. 
It does. It does. But then it's followed by this by this image of Superman stalking toward him with this 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 bony bone. This that he's like, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm going to violently beat you to death <laughs> with this club made out of the bone that I broke off of some extinct thing. And uh, it's 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 savage. Superman's being really mean to something, which he's out of his mind, obviously. <laughs> but he's like, please, you cannot destroy me. I am a friend. Screw you, boing. You know, but again, you know, Swamp Thing, I love that Swamp Thing kind of speaks to him as, you know, scientist to scientist, because Superman is the son of possibly one of the greatest scientists in the history of the universe. Yeah. And in Swamp Thing, of course, Alec Holland was a man of science and, and, and he gets through to him. You're burning up from the inside. The fever raging within you pushes your weakened body beyond its limits. Limits. Yes, yes, I remember. Chronic overexertion. And eventually, eventually death. And it and it, it just just that image of Superman kind of sinking into the green, the cooling, yeah, healing green mm, is just definitely. beautiful, beautiful. And then he, as he's caught yeah. up gently in Swamp Thing's uh, lap, you know, yes, yeah, that's, that's uh, a, yes, a, a Pierre uh, pose basically. Like um, this, there's a lot of like inversions in this. Like I love how because. Uh, we briefly mentioned earlier that Superman's like fighting spirit, his will is actually what's killing him. Like his, yeah. ad, like one of his most admirable qualities is what's actually killing him right now. Um, and, yeah, uh, I, I think that's the, the that's terrific. And Swamp Thing is challenged because I think the the most difficult thing that Swamp Thing has is to communicate with others. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. the challenge yeah. that more sets up. So Superman has to struggle against his fighting spirit and Swamp Thing has to struggle to communicate. So yeah. they both feel like real struggles to overcome. <laughs> and I guess another sort of version is like this, you know, in these team up books a lot of a lot of the time there's a fight between the two characters. Yes. But this fight it's not even really a fight, it's just Swamp Thing trying to help Superman. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And Superman's right. the only one kind of fighting, but even then Superman's out of his mind. So this is definitely not a typical Obligate, like this isn't the obligatory fight for the issue. This is actually important to the story. Um, right, and again, right, not even right. really a fight. <laughs> it's just yeah, like <laughs> this is the side. action <laughs> of the issue, I guess. And it's not yeah. just a typical brawl. Um, and, and Swamp Thing gets to be very impressive and heroic without throwing a punch. Yeah, exactly. definitely. Solves it all with comp- with compassion and science. Yeah. And- I love that. Because uh, Swamp Thing's obviously kind of like the MVP of uh, this issue. Because like, mm-hmm. he's the one that saves the day. And he does it without fighting. You know, As you said, he just does it through compassion, through calming Superman down. Uh, and, like, he risks a lot <laughs> to do this. Because <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm not sure, like, could Swamp Thing even recover if Superman just, like, disintegrated him? Um, I don't know. I'm glad, he, I'm, I'm, glad I'm glad we didn't have to find out. Yeah, <laughs> like he's he's so selfless in this issue. You know, it's not like they like he knows who Superman is from his time as well, or not time as Alec Holland. He's like briefly met him once, but it's not like they're close friends or anything. Like this is just right. a stranger, but an yeah. extremely powerful. And he's just he's just doing it to help him. You know, and like even. Uh, uh, what does he do? He like kind of covers up the destruction 
Well, he doesn't really cover it up, but, like, he moves Superman away from it, doesn't he? So he doesn't know. It's like he spares yeah. him knowing the destruction that he caused. It's like, Because he doesn't wow. want him to have that burden right. on himself. It's, ah, it's so good. This is yeah. so good. <laughs> He's like a guardian angel, really. Uh, <laughs> a guardian smelly swamp angel. Yeah, but... yeah well, I mean, he, he is the avatar of the Earth here. I mean, there's a bird in the Earth, and there's a burn through his chest, and they both heal. Mm. With more yeah. does that really point out, but... I, I think the parallel is definitely there. Yeah, I, interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I definitely think that, as I, I think I said at the beginning, it, this is the issue where the Earth saves Superman. Yeah. Yeah. I really love yeah. that. And, um, and there's a really great, I, I, I love the final panels of Swamp Thing. He's like walking away and kind of turning to look, kind of to look at us. It reminds me of the 1967 uh, Bigfoot footage that was taken. Mm. Uh, in, in California where it, like as it's walking away and lumbering away, it kind of looks over its shoulder back at the camera guys. And I just, I'm just kind of reminded of that here. It's just that this, you know, this, this, this thing of the earth is disappearing back into the earth as Superman flies above thinking, well, I survived. <laughs> yeah. And I love how like happy Swamp Thing is. Never knowing that it happened. I love how happy Swamp Thing is. Like it really makes the issue. He is. He is. Away, like... It's great. Because Swamp Thing yeah. usually walks, in the stuff I've read, Swamp Thing usually walks off going, I hate my life, I want to die. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, here he's like, he's just, he's really happy to have helped. Um, and, like, I just, I really love this whole, as you said, this whole, like, Earth being, rescuing Superman. You know, I guess kind of returning mm-hmm. the favor. Um, it's such a yeah. nice uh, thing. And obviously, Superman doesn't realize Again, which no. I think is kind of like one of the mess. Maybe the whole message of this issue is that Superman doesn't realize he has help, and that there are people everywhere willing to help him, and mm-hmm. that they actually can help. Because we start off even little things like Lana carries him outside when he feels sick, and mm-hmm. then the doctor, uh, the professor, gives him that rock straight away. He gets a super yeah. deal, I'm sure, from the used car lot. <laughs> uh, and then the big ultimate helpers, Swamp Thing just full-on rescues him here, and Superman mm-hmm. doesn't even know it. Um, right. And I, I don't think it makes Superman come off as a jerk, but it's obviously like a flaw he has. Yeah. Um, he, has he has some pride. Oh, yeah, he definitely. Was, he does. He, yeah. he thinks he's alone, but he's he's actually not as alone as he thinks he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I, I think all of that is good, and it's much more than you would expect from your your average team up comic book. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, uh, although the the Mongol issues did actually have a nice amount of depth when the Spectre issue came around, because I was mm-hmm. very introspective, but uh, <laughs> it wasn't quite on the uh, level of this. Um, yeah, this is definitely the best DC Comics Presents issue I've read. It's so good. Oh, it's really one of the best uh, any team up comic book. Uh, absolutely, ever. yeah. Um, I mean, uh, it's it's definitely my favorite out of the team ups we've covered on this podcast, and I've enjoyed all of the team ups on this podcast mm-hmm. except for the Batman one, um, uh, which was which is I don't know if you guys have read Dark Knights Over Metropolis in the nineties. The only reason I didn't like I this because it was just, it's been a long time. The whole time they were just growling at each other. Just, yeah. Shut up, guys. Get a room already. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is the. Uh, no, it's a good point. I mean, this is uh, yeah one of the best T 
team up books I've definitely read. One of the best team up issues, uh, if not the it's best. It's definitely up there. Yeah, it's very character driven. There are real stakes here. I mean, I, I don't know if we got it too much, but the the idea of Superman getting infected by a deadly Kryptonian disease is, mm. I, I think, is a really smart way to instantly put him off balance. Yeah, and not have an obvious thing that he can just punch out. Yeah, as a solution. Yeah, it's like, I, I assume Superman's gonna win a fight, but Superman getting mad cow disease essentially is this issue. <laughs> like, uh, as <laughs> yeah, I mean, as as we've said, like uh, on this mad podcast, space cow disease. Basically. <laughs> Superman faces ordinary problems just on a cosmic scale. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like, you know, you walk out, you pass out, and some, okay, maybe this isn't the best example. <laughs> There's one where, like, Spectre was telling him to chill the hell out, and Superman was trying to punch him, and I'm like, it's just some guy drunk outside of a bar, uh, trying <laughs> yeah. to punch his friend. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, this, this issue was definitely fantastic. I loved everything about it. Uh, I guess, I don't have any complaints. If I did have a complaint, it would be... It's not a complaint, it's just something I noticed, is that uh, Swamp Thing is a lot better drawn than Superman. Um, I understand why that's the case. Mm-hmm. I'm just... It's just something I noticed. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, I, I think Rick Beach is, is clearly trying to emulate classic Superman. Definitely. The time. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah, definitely yeah. some Kurt Swan in, in his Superman. And he does here. a good job. Like, the job's fine. Yeah. It's just the Swamp Thing is, like, outstanding. You know what I mean? The, yeah. It's like House Style Superman done really well, really competently, and then you have, like, this really outstanding, iconic Swamp Thing. Um, so, yeah, but, boy, I do love my Kurt Swan. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's very classic one. I mean, certainly there are some standout panels. There. Mm. I, I do like Superman bursting out of his clothes. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there's nothing wrong with that panel there. <laughs> and the, the, the tone yeah. really changes completely as well after the yeah. virus kill. Like, he's doing a super shave um, yeah. with his heat vision. <laughs> like, it just gets back to the old uh, Superman we all love. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. it's a good way where they, they reset the status quo. But it's it feels like something has happened and been accomplished here. Well, it feels earned. Yeah. You feel you feel relief when this is all happening mm-hmm. because things were so bad, they were so dire before, <laughs> and they were so weird. And yeah, and 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 as we said before, I I, I love how Superman's strength becomes his weakness. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That, that's certainly a, a fresh take on the character. Like, all the subversions here and the inversions... I, I can't prove that you didn't really need to completely reboot him and strip everything from him uh, to make him interesting. Yeah, um, you, you don't. Um, but but I, some I writers need to do that. Ideas that Superman was a boring character that need everything stripped from him no. to be interesting again is, is misguided. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, that being said, I do really love Golden Age Superman, so I do appreciate it when he gets stripped down sometimes, because I love that. Yes. Like, I mean, because if I'm being honest, I could live without Supergirl, you yes. know, and Candor, but I do like my Fortress of Solitude and stuff. I do like, you know, some of the crazy elements, uh, the photographic memory, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I mean, I, I remember I was listening, actually, I wouldn't mind talking about this, I was listening to your episode on this, uh, which I highly recommend you guys go do, because it's awesome. Um, 
the, you mentioned Alan Moore was lobbying to be the guy for the Superman reboot. Yes. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. He also wanted to, he very much wanted to write the last issues of Superman in action. I, I guess he threatened Julius the Schwartz that he would kill him and <laughs> give it to somebody else. And yeah, I'll send people out. Julius didn't yeah. take that too seriously, but he wanted to give it to Jerry Siegel. But apparently, uh, uh, legal said, yeah, that's not going to happen. Wow. <laughs> so, so, the, so Alan Moore got to write uh, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, Jerry Siegel would have been a good choice for obvious reasons. Um, but, I mean, yeah, what happened to the man of tomorrow? I mean, we will be covering that. Uh, you guys should definitely run feedback for that because I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on it. Because um, that's quite the controversial book, really. There's a lot uh, of death and destruction in that one. <laughs> yeah, for like the, whim- like the whimsical ending and... Like the farewell yeah. to Silver Age Tone, like he does kill a lot of people pretty gruesomely. Uh, so it's like, yeah, I mean, I like it because, you know, Silver and Bronze Age Superman was pretty miserable sometimes. I wouldn't yeah. call it violent, but it was just an interesting mixed bag. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you, have you guys ever listened to uh, Superman Forever Radio with Bob Fisher? I don't think I have. He's he's a guy who actually grew up reading Superman comics in the 50s. Like, he's actually that old. Oh. Um, so he has some very interesting perspectives on Superman. Um, you know, cause you yeah, know, I, I, think, uh, I, I think there's been a lot of revisionism about 50s and 60s and 70s yeah. Superman. I mean, that, one of the reasons Grant Morrison's action the comics run... That, uh, had nothing going on internally. Yeah. Which is wrong. Yeah. Like, you know, he had... <laughs> He's, he's, yeah, he's never been boring. And, and as said, like, uh, Grant Morrison's action comics, one of the reasons I love it so much is he combines every era of Superman and develops it naturally. Like, he starts off leaping over tall buildings, fighting social injustice, and then he moves on to fighting off Brainiac. And then he moves on mm-hmm. to, like, the introspective kind of Bronze Age stuff, and then he kind of comes full circle, and then it gets really crazy, and he's fighting across <laughs> time and space, but that's Grant Morrison, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, it just embraced all of the eras of the character because they're all great. I love them all. So, uh, but yeah. yeah, Alan Moore reboot. I mean, it would have been very Silver Age because Alan Moore is, seems very specifically in love with this version of the character. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he would have gotten much Golden Age influence at all if Alan Moore was in charge. I think it all would have been very fantastical. Yeah. Uh, which isn't bad. I, I think, yeah. I mean, he did get his, his run at it with Supreme, basically. Yeah, is, yeah. I, I think it would have been along those lines. Maybe not as... Fan uh, fiction? <laughs> extreme as, as it is. I think it would have not done the, the, the Silver Age kind of uh, homages in the art as extreme as they did yeah. if he was in charge of Superman. But I, I think I think the history would have been intact. Mm. They yeah. would have done something to, to modern it up and, and be more modern. But I, I think... It wouldn't have been stripped to the bone uh, like uh, yeah. Byrne did. And I mean, I don't, don't, yeah. don't, don't consider it a mistake by DC to yeah. go with Byrne's version. I I think it would have sold better. Uh, Byrne's yeah. version, and I think it, it would have. Uh, it, it certainly was successful. So I I don't want to be anti-Byrne here. I just say that it would have been different. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I love Alan Moore. I he he. Uh, writes such a fantastic Superman. I'm sure he's going to write a fantastic Swamp Thing when I get up to it. And they're my two favorite DC characters. Um, 
So, but I, I honestly think I, I'm glad they were with John Byrne. I think mm-hmm. that is better for the character in the long run. Um, I think that's kind of what the public needed at the time. Cause, you know, Superman sales were struggling. Um, I'm sure Moore's yeah. stories would have been great, but I don't know. I think they were kind of a new reader friendly, I don't think. Yeah. And I think John Byrne's run is actually very good on the character. I have problems with it, but like I, you know, I do like the stripping down, going back to being the last son of Krypton, mm-hmm. you know, getting rid of some of the fluff. And I mean, now, now everything's back as like a amalgamation anyway. There's different colored kryptonite again. Uh, so it all wound up okay, I guess, you know? Uh, and Krypton has got some added, uh, uh, emphasis in recent years too, even with a TV show. Mm. So the world is kind of fleshed out again and yeah. more back and forth flower, maybe in a more modern sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. you know, and people are really upset about current Superman runs. I'm like, look, he'll get another run and you might like it better. So just relax, yeah. guys. Uh, you know, when I saw that Bendis was revealing Superman's identity of the world, I didn't care because I know it's going to be undone pretty quickly. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, exactly. yeah. Um, I, yeah, I wish I'd actually read some Alan Moore Swamp thing before this, but, uh, you know, unfortunately I've only I'm about 20 issues away from Alan Moore Swamp thing. But, you can you can you can skip those issues if you want to. There's there's nothing essential in them. I'm a completionist. Um, I, I think they're I think they're underrated a bit because they say that they're rubbish compared to what Alan Moore did. I I think they're they're just fine comics. Yeah. And, and enjoyable, but you can you can skip them over and and pick up with Alan Moore because uh, you will, you will be brought up to speed very well because yeah Moore was very good at writing both for a continuing story and being uh, uh, okay. friendly to new readers. Yeah. Just just like this issue here. You, you can yeah. get everything you need from this issue uh, in short order. I mean, it helps if you know who Superman is, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm sure people have the basic gist of Superman. Uh, yeah. All right, well, now that we've talked about this issue to death, let's give it some ratings, uh, which is, you know... Not a super serious rating system, just a bit of fun. Give us a general idea of what we thought. So let, let's be simple. Let's rate this Swamp Things out of 10. Um, <laughs> so why don't you guys take the lead? 10. It's great. It's so great. <laughs> it's a great Swamp Thing story. It's a great Superman story. It's weird, and it, it, it capitalizes on all of the uh, the best and weirdest it, the easy thing to do would have said would have been oh some type of creature or space alien comes to the swamp and swamp thing and superman have to team up and fight it no they did something more did something really crazy and different and weird here and it's weird and it's wonderful and it's beautiful and it's emotional and it's scientific and 10 out of 10 awesome <laughs> without hesitation boy i mean this is a really good issue I don't know if I want to. I think I have to put uh, Alan Moore's uh, total works here, so I can't give it a ten because mm. it's not Watchmen, it's not from Hell, <laughs> um, but it's really good. So I'm gonna have to dig Alan Moore for being so good here. So I'm uh, eight point five. Yeah. Um, I guess yeah. If I'm just rating this issue on its own and my enjoyment level and how I think, I mean, I think the issue's pretty much perfect. I'll give it a ten. 
But then, as you mentioned, if I'm stacking it up against uh, Alan Moore's other works, I'll probably give it a 9.5, which is still <laughs> extremely high, but, you know, it's not quite the best he's done. So, um, yeah. It's definitely well worth reading. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, super high ratings from all of us. I'm not sure what Ray's rating is. He'll tell us next episode, I'm sure. Uh, mm-hmm. he'll probably be a party pooper and be like, I'll oh, give it two out of ten. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, this, I'm sure there's a lot of people that love this story that aren't into Superman or something, or like don't regularly read them. Uh, which actually, mm-hmm. we should get into some feedback. Uh, we don't have heaps sure. of feedback, but we do have some. Uh, so, I believe. We got mail from the real Henry Cavill. Uh, judging by his email, I don't think he's actually Henry Cavill, but uh, we'll call him that because he wants to be called that. So, uh, just getting it up now. Sorry, I'm just going through my emails trying to find it. Uh, See, this is the kind of thing where we're like, oh, this guy calls himself the real Henry Cavill, and then like two years from now, Henry Cavill will give an interview. Well, you know, there were a couple of times I wrote into a couple of the podcasts, <laughs> and, uh, specifically Last Sense of Krypton, with these guys named Connor and Ray, and... Uh... <laughs> I think I'd faint. <laughs> um, God, I mean... Yeah, I've, as you can tell, I'm probably... You can probably tell I'm a big fan of Henry Cavill. I think he's very uh, wasted potential as Superman. I agree with every word of that. So wasted um, potential. I, I I remember the first thing I ever saw him in was the the Count of Monte Cristo with uh, where where as a very young man he was he was really young in that one and he held his own. Yeah. With Guy Pearce and Jim Caviezel. Wow. And he was fantastic in that film. So when they announced him as Superman, I'm like, oh. This guy is great. He looks like him. Mm. He's a great actor. He's charming. And I feel yeah. like the films never... There, there, there were moments in Man of Steel where they really catered... They really let his charm yeah, shine definitely. through. I think More the, so than the other the moment ones. Of, more so than the other ones, for sure. And it just breaks my heart that we had this guy who was perfect for it. Perfect for it. And they just never quite figured out... How best to maximize that? I mean, it's, it's not—it's it's, not it's, official it's, that he's it's a real out, bummer. but it is it's looking not, likely. It's not. It's not. It's um, not looking great, but I mean, I—I—I I, I adore Man of Steel, uh, and it's also—it's not meant to be like a status quo Superman movie, which is why yeah. it gets a lot of passes right. from me because it's like it's beginning. Right. It's his first day, guys. <laughs> first day on the job, um, and you know, I—I I, I watched Batman vs Man recently. I actually quite like the Ultimate Cut. Uh, until, like, the third act, where I think it just falls apart completely. But uh, then you have... Then you just, I don't know, it's just... There's people out there that want to make a Superman movie and know how to, and Warner Brothers are just not letting them. Yeah. Like, you well, hear the, that. The big rumor is that J.J. Uh, Abrams with his new deal is going to be taking on Superman and Green Lantern. J.J., I would... I can't think of anyone, except for maybe Rian Johnson, that I would want less than J.J. Abrams, because he butchered Star... Like, he butchered Star Trek. The guy is, like, the least original person. Okay, if he directs, but doesn't write, keep him away from a script, and that'll be fine. I agree. He's a talented craftsman, but, I mean, everything kind of falls apart in the third act with him. Uh, Star Trek Into Darkness is completely apart. I gave that half Um, a star out of five. Like... uh, (laughs) 
Uh, I mean, Super 8 is probably his best movie, but that that falls apart completely, too. And again, it's like, why do I want to watch an homage of uh, Steven Spielberg where I can just watch E.T.? Yeah, I, I might, he'll just, like, we'll just be watching Richard Donner stuff again. And, like, I like Richard Donner Superman. I have problems with it, you know, going back in time to say one person, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I, I liked it. They were fun for what they were. But, like, uh, people need to stop being so afraid of new takes on things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I just feel like J.J. Abrams have encouraged, you know, the Richard Donner Superman being like the only yeah. version of Superman to ever exist, uh, which is not the case. Um, anyway, uh, that's a rant my listeners have heard many times. <laughs> so, uh, this, I found the mail. Hey guys, excited to hear that the podcast is going to cover an issue featuring the Swamp Thing. I got into horror comics initially before superhero stuff, so Swamp Thing was a sort of gateway to comics and to the great Superman for me. I will keep this short. I love the dreamy atmosphere of Moore's writing, complemented by Veach's surreal art. Both really capture the hot, surreal, perhaps literal, fever dream that Superman undergoes. I really appreciate Moore making the focus of the issue beyond the Swamp Thing over Superman, even though the popularity of the characters vastly differs. It really feels like a Swamp Thing comic featuring Superman instead of vice versa. Thanks for covering the issue. Much love, the real Henry Cavill. Thanks, Henry. Um, yeah, actually, I didn't mention that. Uh, I did feel like I was in a hot swamp while I was reading it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the art is very good at that. Yeah, and the colors. Totally. Yeah, and and in Henry, your your descriptions of 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 everything from the story to the artwork to the tone and the mood were beautifully written, mm. beautifully stated. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you really do. You just feel like you're in the middle of this melting swamp yeah. with, with Swamp Thing and, and trying to figure it out. And again, I just, I just, I will always love that the solution of this was, okay, I can't, I can't out punch Superman. I can't out heat vision Superman. I can't do any of these things, but I will compassion in science mm. and we'll find that middle ground and, and get it done. And I just, I love that. I love that about it. Yeah. It's also interesting because it, it, I guess with the, um, I feel like the focus is on Superman for like the first half, but it's on him for the yeah. whole story because he's both the protagonist and the antagonist. Um, right, right. Because yeah. like something doesn't come in until like halfway through, but it it does yeah. feel like it doesn't feel like a Superman story, but at the same time it does. But it also feels like a Swamp Thing story as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I I think that's what a team up should be. I guess it feels like. It's a bit of both. Yeah, exactly. They're both they're both well represented. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Swamp Thing was only in half the issue, but I didn't feel like he was underrepresented at all. Yeah, I agree. Got a full I showcase agree. for him. Um, just you know, really good. So thanks for the feedback, Mister Cavill. Um, please. And I look forward to seeing you again, Henry, in in a future Superman film. Yeah, uh, give us a movie with Brainiac <laughs> or Mister McSpitlick. Uh, man, can you imagine a Mister McSpitlick? There's a bad guy in a Superman movie. It's never going to happen, but it would be amazing. No. <laughs> See, my, my my idea for a Man of Steel, Steel sequel would would be that uh, Doctor Emil Hamilton is 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 in the Phantom Zone, and he finds a piece of technology inside of the Phantom Zone, not knowing that it's Brainiac, and he hot wires this thing and uses it to bust himself out of the Phantom Zone and and get home, <laughs> without really realizing that he has unleashed Brainiac, hmm. and and there you go. It'd go be good. Nice and different as well. 
I would like to see Mattel on the big screen at some point, too, I have to say. Oh, yeah. Kind of surprised he hasn't. <laughs> I mean, remember yeah. the original script drafts or whatever for the Andy Superman didn't have Batman. They had, like, just Lex. And, uh, mm. I don't know, I had a feeling they could have done that movie and just had, like, Parasite or Metallo be his underling. Yeah. Or something. Um, I think that would have been cool. Parasite would be cool in a movie. Because it's, like, a big, gross, purple thing. Uh, <laughs> okay, so the next piece of feedback is from our, uh, Noel Tate, who actually requested this issue. And he also has a recent EP out about the character Moon Knight, which I'll put in the show notes. Uh, listen, I'm not a huge DC or even Superman fan, but I'm a huge mark for Alan Moore's storytelling and ideas. This book didn't disappoint. It's a little long-winded at times. Superman losing his power and his struggle with that perhaps takes up a few too many panels, but at least it's still handled in a compelling way. The surrealism and sadness is a staple of Moore's run on Swamp Thing, and I can appreciate him keeping that aesthetic in this story with Superman's hallucinations. The Swamp Thing dialogue in the text boxes are so freaking good, and though very more, still seem very individual to the character. I also like the way he subverts the normal trope of the two heroes fighting in a crossover and has Swamp Thing stay mostly passive while Superman is having his hallucinatory freakouts. It's quite simple and beautiful little story. I'm a fan of the pencils, but the inks seem a little thick for the style and cement the comic in an age. It's fine, but doesn't attract my attention. All in all, worth a read. Uh, cool. Interesting comment about the inks sort of cementing it in in the era. I do think it looks it looks like a comic of its era, but also, uh, as you had mentioned, Connor kind of kind of gives a nod to some of the you know the, the golden age Superman a little bit. I do think the heavier inks in especially on a lot of the Superman stuff work really well, just because mm-hmm. the lot the lines around his eyes, the wrinkles around his eyes, the the, the stubble. Uh, I think all of that goes a long way to making him look. Um, you know, exhausted and and desperate and and crazy. So, yeah, I I, yeah. I definitely see I, I I definitely see your point for sure. But I mm-hmm. there there are ways that I think it kind of it kind of works. Yeah, I mean Al Williamson is a old school inker and kind of a legendary inker at that. But I mean, it's more like he, if they somehow found Wally Wood, if he was still alive to ink the issue, I think. And um, right. it is definitely old school. I I think Alan Moore would probably pleased with that. I think Alan Moore likes old school. Yeah, right, I mean, right. uh, I love this era, so that's a plus for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, make it look old. That works for me. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, thanks very much for the feedback. I, I I don't think the I think the hallucinations and stuff, uh, him succumbing to the virus being drawn out was a plus for me because it feels like a long, messy virus. Um, but yeah. you know. Uh, one of the good things about this podcast is all the different opinions we get. And uh, every, uh, unlike the Frank Miller one, everyone seems to be in agreement that this is a great story. So, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's overdone. I, I think you need to sell them on the seriousness of the situation. Uh, d- don't be too much of a rush to get to Swamp Thing. But, I mean, after all, it's only one issue. It's a complete story, and I, I feel that Swamp Thing is in half the issues. So, I, I'm 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 pretty good with the structure of the book. Yeah. Uh, also, your comment about uh, the subverting a normal trope of two heroes fighting in a crossover. 
I guess you beat me to the punch because you wrote this two weeks before I read reread the issue. So, uh, yeah, damn, I don't feel as smart now. But all right, well. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, thanks, Noel, and uh, we will be getting to your other two requests soon. Uh, they are a few weeks away because uh, we have, as I said, Kingdom Come and a bunch of other crazy stuff coming up. So, uh, yes, but uh, thanks again. Can't wait to hear from you next time. And let's see. Who's next? Uh, James Young. So this is the last piece of feedback. Uh, Who better to spin a yarn about the Man of Steel and the Man of Moss and Muck than the Master Scribe himself, Alan Moore? As an added bonus... I like Man of Moss and Muck a lot. Yeah, me too. (laughs) As an added bonus, we're treated to the talents of more Swamp Thing collaborators, Rick Beach and Tatiana Wood. Fitting for Swamp Thing... Fitting for a Swamp Thing-centered issue of the time. We can see Veach's clever techniques of creativity on the cover, as well as on page two, which is used frequently during his run on Swamp Thing. I once read in one of Rick's Facebook posts how he accomplished this look, though I don't recall the precise detail, something to do with layering. Uh, I absolutely love his style and creativity, also very cool that he worked on other projects with more, such as Supreme, which I cannot recommend enough, and 1963 for Awesome and Image, respectively. It's also interesting that Moore has now twice involved alien plant life in two separate Superman stories, Annual 11 being the other. A coincidence? Question mark. Only the Wizard of Words knows for sure, I suppose. A few other nice touches in the issue, the many panels of Cal and his crazy eyes, and the classic method of shaving via heat vision and a mirror. It's also a treat to have another more written Swamp Thing story, as I believe that at, around the, uh, at or around the time which this issue of DC Comics Presents was published, he was finished with this phenomenal run on Swamp Thing, and trust me, Last Sons of Krypton, that is one run you do not want to miss. His Swamp Thing tales are the stuff of legend. Leave it to Alan Moore to, con- co- uh, uh, to put together a tidy, succinct, and well-thought-out tale involving two of DC's greats in 24 pages. Folks can say what they will about him being a surly, wizard-like recru- recluse now, but let's face it, the comics industry would not be the same without him. Needless to say, I'm beyond thrilled that this was chosen for a future episode. Swamp Thing is easily one of my top three characters, and Moore is one of my favorite writers, and of course, his run of Swamp Thing is one of my all-time favorites in my 30-plus years of reading comics. You guys picked a winner. Sorry for the book, by the way. Well, uh, I appreciate the book. Long, detailed feedback is my favorite type of feedback. So, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, No, I'm really glad you chose. I guess thank uh, Mr. Noel Tate for choosing this book. Uh, mm-hmm. We did not choose it, although this would have uh, come up at some point, uh, one point or another. Um, so yeah, I can't wait for your next request, Mr. James Young, because uh, we had quite a lot of fun with Superman: The Secret Years, craziness, mm-hmm. Muta triangles, yeah. mermaids, and spring boots. Uh, <laughs> I never apologize for writing a book if the book is good. Yes, that was great. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 the only thing I, I would say is this actually is right in the middle of Moore's Swap Thing run. Okay. Um, but I agree that I, I really do enjoy Beach's work and, um, and calling out the Supreme is, is in 1963 mm. are, are very much in line with what I think Moore would have done, uh, with Superman if he had more opportunity. Um, I probably also should mention that uh, Rick Beach also did his own kind of revisionist take on Superman. Uh, with Max Immortal, um, which is, is very much a revisionist take about how uh, Siegel and Schuster got uh, 
screwed over by National uh, Comics yeah. of the time. Yeah. Um, I, I do kind of recommend it to her fans as, of uh, Superman and uh, uh, and Rick Veach and Alan Moore, because I, I think you'll get quite a bit out of it, but it is very much a revisionist take. So, <laughs> and he, he this is very much a, well, at least it's partly a comic and it's partly a screed against the comics practice of the time, but I, I think it's a very interesting one. Yeah. Well, we're, right. well, we're looking into. I mean, no, I, I love that sort of stuff in, uh, Morrison's action comics. Yes, I am name dropping that again. Uh, <laughs> what, what can I say? There's a lot of stuff in it that, like, well, one of the bad guys is called Super Doom and he's like, the manifestation of DC's corporate capitalism with Superman as like a giant bad guy trying to kill every Superman in different multiverses. Uh, and obviously he comes <laughs> to our Superman's multiverse and it's uh, quite an amusing analogy. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's just the comments on Siegel and Schuster being ripped off with the character. Made me think of that. I mean, I don't think they were ripped off. Like they sold it, they signed a contract, but they were treated so badly. Yeah, DC. they were treated badly. I, it's complicated, though, because they were making a lot of money at the time, too. Hmm. And they were bad with money. So yeah. That, and, but, yeah, they didn't get credit. and No, they didn't get as much money as they should have. But it, they, it's yeah. complicated on that time. They, they, I mean, they were literally making, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars wow. in, in today's money at the time for producing, for being the exclusive providers of Superman at the time and yeah you know the, the national didn't take well to being sued uh, <laughs> as as you do <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they, they kind of uh i i mean they, they could have made a lot of money on on the book just being the regular writers and artists on superman for a, a long long time if they had chosen to like bob king hmm. um, yeah. bob king made a lot of money just by producing comics for uh, 20, 30 years. Um, yeah. So. Bob Kane is a very lovable figure in comics history. Um, <laughs> you know, Bob Bob Kane was a good businessman, though. Oh, absolutely. It's like Stan Lee. Stan Lee was an absolutely fantastic huckster and a businessman. Um, you have to respect them for that. Like, They did not get taken advantage of. No, <laughs> definitely not. Um, they were doing the taking advantage. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel bad for them that, that they were not given their proper compensation yeah. for Superman. But uh, I also feel that the, some of their, their actions kind of worsened the situation. Oh, definitely. For themselves, too. Yeah. Also placing a curse on people, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a there's a there's a decent play out there called uh, the history of invulnerability about Jerry Siegel. Really? Uh, I don't know how popular it is. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's a complete success, but it, it's out there and it's worth seeing if, okay. if you're interested in that sort of stuff. Yeah, because uh, they were pretty interesting dudes, actually. Uh, you know, especially Siegel's dad dying in that robbery and stuff. Um, there was a bit of hubris on, on Siegel's part. They could win their lawsuit and bring the mm. the, the corporation to its knees. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, no. Thanks for the feedback, everyone. Always glad to get feedback. Um, so you know, keep it up. Uh, let's see what is next on the schedule. Sorry, I have a okay. 
Alright, so the next issue we are covering is Superman's Return to Krypton. I can't remember what the issue number is, but I will be posting it. Uh, it is a story from the 50s. We're going back to simpler times. Um, Jerry Siegel. Yes, and uh, Wayne Boring as well. I'm pretty sure it was Wayne Boring. Uh, we're actually doing it because it ties in a lot to For the Man Who Has Everything, because they took a lot of characters... Well, they took, like, uh, one of the characters and a lot of the designs for Krypton from that story. So mm-hmm. I figured we'll cover it before that. Uh, and it's a good story. Obviously, it's 50, so it's a bit dated, but, like, it's, it's good for the time. You know, you can still read it and enjoy it, so. Mm-hmm. And it does time travel better than the Chidonna. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, so where can everyone find you guys? I'll put it in the show notes as well. Like uh, any other projects as well, in addition to Swamp Things? Uh, what, 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 yeah. Tell us about you guys. Well, um, in addition to Swamp Things, uh, I'm a regular contributor to the website Where the Long Tail Ends, um, which is, looks at uh, lesser scene, little scene, movies over time. I host a podcast there called uh, Still Watching the Skies, uh, where we... Uh, uh, look at movies that aren't Star Wars or 2001 or Aliens, but the lesser known things. So we talk about things like The Quiet Earth or Stalker or oh, yeah. other uh, science fiction films that probably don't get their due. Awesome. Uh, um, so you can find it at that website, wherethelongtailends.com, or you can just search for the uh, Where the Long Tail Ends uh, feed on any of your podcatchers of choice. Cool. And uh, what about you, John? Um, you can find me on Twitter at John Beerly, uh, J-O-H-N-B-I-E-R-L-Y. Uh, in addition to, uh, Swamp Things, we are, which we are on Twitter at Swamp Things Pod. Uh, we can also be reached at, uh, Swamp Things Pod at, uh, gmail.com for any, uh, any comments there. Um, I also have a podcast with, uh, my friend Sean Gerber, who Robert and I have worked with on many things over the years, starting with, uh, uh, his, uh, Modern Myth Media podcast and website. Sean and I have a Star Wars podcast, uh, called Fandalorians, at Fandalorians on Twitter. And, uh, we've been kind of building up to the release of The Mandalorian on Disney Plus and are looking forward to diving into that. We, we, we talk about other Star Wars things as well. Uh, cool. that's, uh, but The Mandalorian was the reason we started it and we've kind of, talked about other things because there's not a lot of Mandalorian stuff to talk about yet without a show mm-hmm. but uh, we have a lot of we've had a lot of fun with it alright awesome uh, again thanks very much guys for coming on uh, all of you thank you for having us uh, all of you listeners who are harping on about how awesome Alan Moore Swamp Thing run is why don't you go listen to Swamp Things the podcast and you can get some nice in-depth coverage on each issue it's an awesome podcast I highly recommend it uh yeah, so. Well, thank you. Yeah, no worries. Uh, we'll be happy to have you guys on whenever you want. We generally take guests. If there's a story that people want to guess for, they can just ask and you can hop on. Um, we've already got people lined up. They booked in early for when we cover Batman v Superman. So, <laughs> this could be years from now, but we're booked in. So, yeah, uh, people want to talk about that, I guess. Um, uh, so yeah, pleasure. Hope you guys come on again. Um, really good, insightful stuff. And, uh, yeah, dear listeners, until next time, um, don't touch any strange rocks with weird grass on them. <laughs> and if you do, do it in the Louisiana swamp where Swamp Thing can help you. Yes, exactly. Uh, 
Provided he's in a good mood that day, I guess. But, yes, 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 know. yes. All right, see yous. <laughs> Superman and all other characters in these comics are properties of DC. Any images or music we use are properties of their respective copyright holders. We are doing this for fun and not making money off it, so please don't sue us. You can contact us at lskpodcast at gmail.com and find us on our Libsyn, lskpodcast.libsyn.com. Our Twitter, at lskpodcast. Our Facebook page, Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. And last but not least, thank you everyone for listening.